So you're you're doing a whole run through of the game again? Yeah, I've done it before. Uh, this is just uh, I wanted to see the updates to the new console slash whatever update came out in December, mm-hmm. and I know it added some missions, stuff like that. So far, there's only one I've found, mm-hmm. and if I remember correctly, because it was this area where it was was kind of a big area in the game that didn't really have much to it. And this is, I don't remember exactly where, but I think I even remember hearing that there was something that was supposed to be there and ended up being cut content. Um, so I guess they put it back in. Is that kind but, of the point of this? Is like, they're like taking that cut, those cut contents and... I have, I don't know. I don't have any idea. Um, I think so. But also, they when the game first came out, they were like, hey, here's a whole bunch of free DLC. Mm-hmm. Which, when something's free, you're like, you expect it to be pretty cheesy. And some things were, it was like some armor sets you were never going to use or something like that. But they had three missions that were, you know, full full missions that were. One of them was kind of goofy. Two of them, I guess you could say, were sort of goofy. But one of them could have kind of either an endearing ending or kind of a sad ending, depending on how you played it. And okay. then one of them was kind of pretty straight up. Wow, that's sort of dark. Uh, that's, of course, that's my favorite of the three, but I, I just found that interesting. It's, in my opinion, the most interesting of the three just free DLC missions. Why uh, do you think, and this, and this is in all honesty, because <clears throat> the bugs that happen in The Witcher 3. I feel like are on par with the types of bugs that like you would get with uh, cyberpunk, right? Well, I guess like, that would make sense being from the same creators. But that's what I'm like. Why was cyberpunk considered this like game that everybody beat the fuck up on, and they left like they were like Witcher Three is the greatest game in the world. I don't like, you know, they, like they they were forgiving for the bugs that Witcher Three have has, oh, but they're not. Or cyberpunk, and so it's always kind of like surprises me. I don't really think. Well, for one, just flat out saying, the bugs uh, for cyberpunk on release day were absolutely game breaking. Yeah, and although it was kind of sort of a problem already when Witcher Three came out in 2015, yeah, I wouldn't say this is anywhere. It wasn't anywhere near as big a problem as it came, as it started to become the years after 2015. Right. Where, where studios are basically just releasing broken games, and they're like, we're going to fix it in a patch. So if you were buying a game the day it came out, you were buying a broken game that you were basically going to have to wait for a patch to fix. Which uh, pretty much the next-gen consoles have made part of. Like, yeah. every game I think that I've bought has a zero-day, like, fix. Every game. Yeah, yeah it's kind of sad. And it's, like... I haven't bought a new game in a while, but for a long time, it was just like every game you bought, you put it in and it was all automatically an update. And it, frequently the update was bigger than the game, especially yeah. if you bought it on disc. It's mm-hmm. like installing from disc, like 18 gigs, downloading 40 gigs. Like, yeah, yeah. fuck you. <clears throat> it is one of the things that pissed me off. It's like I'm buying a disc and my PlayStation needs to install it now. 
Like, I'm like, why? Like, I bought a yeah. disc for a purpose. And I get it, like, load faster load times, whatever. But still, like, it's the way technology's going. And it's irritating, but it's not like you can stop it. That's true. Uh, so, the, and then the other thing, yeah, again, so one, I don't recall any bugs with The Witcher that were game-breaking. Hmm. Some of them were pretty endearing, like, or just at least good for humor, like, the ones I sent you were pretty funny. Now, granted, I don't know what all was going on with those. I don't know if those were some of the mods I had, or yeah, yeah, yeah. Just killing that one dude and just watching him like float away. Bye, through the bye. <laughs> like um, it was like you uppercut him or something, and like that was well. Just, so that was the thing is you could tell it wasn't anything I did to him because he died and he fell from death, and then he just it's like they took him away, away to heaven. Like and then you watch him kind of come down a little bit. Well, yeah, because it looks like he was like flying over the. Anyway, and then the other one, which wasn't as funny, but still kind of made me chuckle when I first saw it, was just that that like janky seagull that wasn't where it was supposed to be anyway. <laughs> like I don't know, I'm a little pissed off. So I downloaded the, um, I put in my PS4 disc, downloaded the PS5 version of the game, and I have to start over from scratch. Like it doesn't take my, it doesn't allow me to take my PS4 game. Into like, the PS5 world, he wasn't there. Yeah, that's interesting. I don't know if that might also be the update. I don't know. I, that doesn't necessarily seem right because I also swear, and it's been a long time since I played it. Actually, I'd say at least two years. Mm -hmm. But uh, there's th like I swear they took some things away. Um, mostly. Like, I'll be like, was there a mission here? I guess one, there was a mission here, but there's no like. But the main thing is there's at least one uh, signpost, like, which are the quick travel spots. Hmm? There's at least one that's not there anymore. Like, I know there was a signpost here, and it's gone now. Because you uh, travel to it constantly? Is that why you knew that it, it was there? It was one of the more convenient ones, definitely. It was uh, the one there, I guess, like, and it's going to turn into a Mandela effect thing. <laughs> where it's like uh, the, there's one tavern in Novigrad called the Sturgeon, and I, mm -hmm. I swear there was a signpost right there that you could travel to, which it's makes not, sense from a game perspective. Like it's not really Mandela effect in that they can remove it at any point in time and put it. Well, the whole point is like people are like, "What are you talking about? That signpost was never there," and I'm like, "I fucking swear it was." Uh, so that's what I suspect. Uh, and then the other thing, the other thing with going, I'm sorry, find a map online because there will be a map that will show that signpost there. Oh, we'll see. Um, and then, uh, going back to the thing with cyberpunk also, this might not be a universally thing thing. I'm sorry. That was really poorly phrased. I'm universal thing. Yeah. But, uh, because so, this might be subjective, some people might. But one of the things, like about The Witcher, why so many people just rave about the game is because incredibly complex. And I think a lot of the times that's why there's some bugs and it will exist because just of how many things they've got going on and yeah. the details and things like that. And cyberpunk, and I, I've, I've not. I started Cyberpunk and I didn't go anywhere, so I haven't mm -hmm. played it yet. But from everything I hear, and from what I can understand, is they 
definitely bit off more than they could chew with it. And they, I think they were trying to make something that I don't even know if it's possible. Um, but I remember the first gameplay trailer because I had stopped being excited about video games already yeah. at that point. And mm-hmm. after Mass Effect Andromeda, that was the last straw for me. Is like, I'm never pre ordering a game again or anything <laughs> like that. And I didn't even hate Andromeda like a lot of people did. But yeah, still, I was. That was kind of the opinion. I'm gonna say, okay, this was not worth a pre-order. Never doing it again. Yeah, Cyberpunk almost convinced me to do that, and I'm getting glass. I'm glad I didn't. But when I saw that first, I think it was a 45 minute long video that was like partial gameplay trailer, and like they had a voice narration explaining some of the different things, and I was jaw jacked watching that. Yeah, and I know there's a lot of tricks, you know, pre-rendered animations and everything like that. A lot of tricks that they do that all game studios use. Yeah, but that was watching. I was just like, if this is even remotely on point, this is going to be the greatest game ever. Like the mm. sheer amount of things you could do in it. And then when the actual release came out, it was just like they could never live up to that expectation. And kind of the subjective thing, uh, what's his name? The the act man watched his video on Cyberpunk, and he was saying there's a lot of yeah the bugs are terrible, but there's a lot of things that it's not a matter of bugs, it's just game design and things like that. And the the description he used for Cyberpunk, which I have not personally seen because I haven't played it, was it is a mile wide and an inch deep, and it was and it was because the sole idea of making this huge city that. Everything's going on, and there's supposed to be NPCs living their actual lives and going on about their day, and you could go anywhere and interact with just about anyone, and you can go in basically any building. Like, that was how they were advertising. Like, if they build a bar, it's not just a facade with a writing on it. There's a bar you can go into with patrons and all. all, Like, that was how it was pushed. And it was just... You know, they would have needed another 10 or 15 years of development to actually add any depth to the game if it was even possible at all. And I think that. I mean, there's, there are games that utilize some aspects of that, like who. <clears throat> but they're like side scrollers, right? That sort of thing where, you know, it, based upon the way you play, the game learns how you play and then determines how to make enemies to your level, that sort of thing, right? Um, adaptive gameplay is the best best like thought process that I can put into it. Um, question. But on that scale, I don't think so. Yeah. Question. How You mentioned that. And you said side-scrollers. How far back are we talking here? Like, uh, it's more like in a recent, like it was like a, a PlayStation game or Xbox game that, that did it specifically. It like, like an yeah, release side Exactly. Like, I think one. I think it was on Steam too. So there were two games on the original Nintendo, Jaws. Uh-huh. It's in the Jaws game, the No Kidding Jaws game, and the <laughs> Batman game from the from the Tim Burton movie. They made a game. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Had had both of them. Have beaten both of them like once mm-hmm. or twice. Like yeah. had ki- killed Jaws in the Jaws game and had beaten the Joker in the in the Batman game. I'm having a problem with this Jaws game. I really am. Like it just seems it's, so weird to me. It, it it is. It was weird game. You know how like I don't know those games were back then where they were just yeah. cheesy tie-ins. So it yeah. was like you You're were on a scoot- fishing boat. 
<laughs> well, that until it got hit by something, and then you were a scuba diver killing stingrays and stuff. Like, but then <laughs> you had to like, because you sailed around, and if you hit something, you got put in a little side mission, you know, where you were the scuba diver. But there was also Jaws, and Jaws would randomly pop up, and like, if he hits you instead of anything else, then you had to contend with whatever was going on. Plus, Jaws was in the picture, and all that stuff. And cheese ball, trust me. But then, like, you had to, I don't remember what it was, but you had to, like, earn these points somehow. So you did level up. And then it turned into, like, the end of Jaws 4, where you had to, like, cause him to jump out of the water and, like, stab him with the boat. Like, that was the final boss. So I feel like Spielberg movies and video games have never gone very well. Because this is the same, like, E.T. Atari conversation. <laughs> <laughs> but no, no, no. Anyway, anyway. So that Jaws and the Batman game, I had beaten the Joker like once or twice or something like that, and I had killed Jaws like once, twice, and then all of a sudden I could never do it again. And I don't know, like I would go and get all the way through the game because back then there was game over, yeah, all that stuff. So I would play through that whole like Batman game and just get killed by the Joker. And I'm like, I don't, I don't get. I've beaten him. Like, why can't I beat him anymore? Like, what is going on? I mean, yeah, I was, you know, 10 or 11 or however old I was when that game came But I was just, well, I was just, I've done this. Like, why can I not do it now? Like, whatever it was, I learned. And it was only the Joker. Like, I could get through the rest of the game. (laughs) Do you remember, did you ever play, um, so there was like two different versions of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles games that came out. There was the, and they were both on NES. Yes. But there was. But I never played um, either one of them very much. Okay, so there was the first one, which was kind of like more built around kind of what the comic book was, that sort of thing. And then there was the second one, which was built more of like a like more built around what the cartoon at the time was, right? And it was all like a little bit more animated, that kind of thing. The first one, there's a level in there where you have to go through a dam, bless you, and you have to like get rid of all of these bombs. And so you're climbing through the dam and you're trying to get all these bombs. Like, and I, that was the same exact <laughs> got through that level one time and I could never do it again. And it always pissed me off. Like it was just like, how am I not getting past this? I don't like it doesn't make sense. But it, it made me dude, I swore up and down like the game learned and now it's like stopping me. And like <laughs> so you brought that up like adapted gameplay. It's like I could have sworn that happened to me on the original Nintendo. I love that. <laughs> like Nintendo's like learning how you play the game, and it's like, oh no, the Joker! I know he's gonna jump right here, so <laughs> like shoot him. <laughs> I don't know. I, 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 I my hats off to you the fact that you beat that game because I don't think I ever got past like level three or something in, in that Batman. Like I just I would just get tired of the same. Well, shit. I had it, so I played it a bunch. You play though when you play you play frustrating the hell games like you love dark souls and that shit pisses me off that's all <laughs> there's to it. like i can't play games like that where it's just like my life is is devoted to finishing this game and it's pissing me off and i'm not going to be like happy playing it i'm not going to be happy finishing it. like, it's just so, like i mean i don't i'm not necessarily like that anymore i don't know so i got in the dark souls I'd say we've already had this conversation a million times. Yeah. I'm never going to get, I still think you should play Sekiro, but which one Sekiro is that from software again? Yeah. Yes. But well, let me, let me finish this first. Um, 
Um, yeah, frustrating, but when you really get down to it, it's it's frustrating. Like, those games start off frustrating, and then they stop being frustrating, like, once you learn it, if, mm-hmm. for lack of a better word. Because it's frustrating because you realize how much modern games hold your hand all the time. Like, like after you've, like, you realize you've been playing so many games that it's just, like, follow icon on that, follow icon mm-hmm. on that, follow icon on that, shoot the guys. Like, oh, you take some bullets, like, hide until, like, the blood of smeared on the screen goes away and then go back to shooting and and the are you talking about started there my friend no like uh call of duty and stuff like that uh, where they, they got rid of health bars yeah i mean that's pretty much uncharted too like screen sure. starts to turn gray go hide for a minute and then yeah yeah and it's that thing no granted like uncharted didn't have like follow icon on map but because it actually wasn't a closed game it was yeah just an action game where you were you were it wasn't like you could. Well, you were following a linear path, but yeah. yeah, you couldn't get lost in that game. But and then you just you played Dark Souls by comparison. It was just like the gloves were off. Yeah, no one was holding your hand anymore. And it really because it was playing like old Nintendo games in that regard. Those games were in many ways a lot of those games were harder. Yeah, and uh, I still. I st- the first time I saw them, I swear that they were Capcom games. You know, like, yeah, just the, the look and feel. It was just, like, no one's going to teach you how to play this. you got to learn it. And it was just no icons, no map, no journal. Like, figure it out. Um, yeah. And it's it was this learning curve, but then, like, once it clicked in your mind, it was like crack. Hmm. Um, kind of like... And uh, the Ninja Gaiden games were where they were like frustratingly difficult, sort of. But then, yeah. once it, but once it clicked, you were like, "I'm the most badass ninja ever!" Like <laughs> it was just, it was the satisfying feeling once you learned how to play it well. I remember um, you guys playing Ninja Gaiden all the time, um, and it, it's true what you like because even even there, there wasn't really like a you were just kind of like in this town, and this town led to the missions. Right, and you had to kind of figure it out from there. Yeah, so. that wasn't it. Wasn't like free roam. It was a linear. Granted, yeah. there was areas that they were like area puzzles you had to solve. Mm-hmm. Which I kind of miss games like that, where it's just like, you know, I think I think the term is key hunting puzzle. Yeah. Now, the various times it might not be a literal key, or it might, or something like that. But it was you had to find this to advance, and you had like an area to roam through that you could backtrack through. And I also love what the other great thing about the Souls games, specifically the first one, was the interconnectivity of the world, which was something that like the first ninja, like the second ninja game, which was actually my favorite, was great. Yeah. But it was like you're here in this area in this part of the world, and then the second mission you go to this part of the world, and the second mission you go to this part. Of the world. And it wasn't like you didn't go to different places in the first ninja game, but I did love that like you went to the capital city, and then it was just. It looped around and everything like that, and you would go through this area, and it would reconnect like back to the city, and you yeah. go through another area and it'd reconnect back to the city. And I, I loved that. I love that game design, and that was what, especially the first Star Souls was. It was just amazing, like that. Uh, this, all the other ones were like that in their particular areas, but it, that was the one that like really liked the whole map, with the exception of a couple areas, connects to it, each other. And, 
like you open up this doorway and you're like, okay, where I'm going to go now? Oh, I'm back here. I had no idea that this connected to this. Yeah. Uh, but of course, there's no map actually showing you any of this. Like no, you're just, but again, it's not so like utterly immense. It's not like Skyrim big or yeah. anything like that. By the same token, it's it's a relatively contained world. Hell, the Dude, speed that's... the speed run of all bosses for the first Dark Souls, I think, is an hour and seventeen minute record. Oh, jeez! Like every every boss in the game, including the DLC, like four bosses, an hour and seventeen minutes. So it's not that big. Now they. Broke the move on that with Elden Ring, where they made an actual no kidding like giant world free roam game. And that's like I was going to say that's open world, isn't it? Like, it is completely open world, and the map is huge, and it's great. I liked Elden Ring a lot. I didn't finish it. I have like three bosses to go, and literally that's it. Um, and I just kind of put it down and never picked it back up. Uh, but uh, when you let George R. R. Martin write this, write the story. To this day, I don't really know what influence he had on that game. It's kind of hard to tell. I, from what I understand, is like he wrote the story. He's the one who actually wrote the, like the lore. Which that would make sense to a degree, but it's still very, very much a from software game in that regard. So it's yeah, it's it's definitely if it, it's at the very least a collaboration. Yeah. Uh, anyway, the, now. I like this is gonna sound a little hypocritical because I know I got tired of follow icon on that, follow icon on that, like all these other games. But that right, like, Witcher, follow icon on that. <laughs> Witcher has Witcher has a lot more going for it than that though. Yeah. But the thing was is then like Elden Ring was this huge open world game that still had like the Dark Souls style game. Yeah. So like the, there are technically side quests in that game, but not like it doesn't tell you like here's a side quest. <laughs> yeah. Like it's not like so, a big question mark standing just, next to some dude no. that you walk up to and it's, you start like yeah. you talk to somebody about something and you provide that form and then they're gonna move to a different area. And it's something like that, and it's like four or five steps to whatever their conclusion of their quest yeah. is. Yeah. But nothing tells you whether so it's it was so now that game is so huge that that same design was almost a hindrance. Because mm-hmm. That's a really fucking big game to have, like, no icon on map, no journal, no nothing telling you where to go. It was one thing in a semi-contained game like Bloodborne or Dark Souls. Yeah. Elden Ring, you're like, because that map is every bit as big as any, you know, maybe not as big as, like, Skyrim, but it's a huge map. And it's... I, I don't I remember when Morrowind came out, and to me, that was huge. And that really, like, to today's yeah. standard, that's nothing. Like that's like you look well, at it's it. Still pretty big in game, and then also the couple with not having fast travel. But that's true because you only had the stilt riders, and then that yeah, and that that you had to pay gold for, and they only went to like the main cities, and then that was another game where you had a journal, but you didn't have like you could like manually put icons on a map to follow. But I don't think like right. I forgot like, about that. Yeah, you couldn't select a mission, and it would tell you where to go. Like you kind yeah, of because had... you had to. I remember you had to look at the map. Like I remember having to pull the map out from the from the from the Xbox case, right? Look at the map that was that was given and being like, "Oh, this is the town that I need to go, or this is the area that I need to go," and then mark it, find it on the game map to mark it. Mm-hmm. Oh, I remember that. So shit. He, yeah, there was no like selecting a mission, and then there was like an auto icon telling where to go in that one. Oh, so, fucking back. So, but yeah, so Elden Ring, huge game where it has stuff like that. And then that's just the map you see. It doesn't count for the caves, the dungeons. There's like 
huge, like huge underground portions of that game too. Hidden areas, secret areas, like like it's a game that practically needs a walkthrough. Uh, circling back now, <laughs> that it would be you would absolutely need a walkthrough to see everything in the game. Now you could blindly stumble your way through it and have fun. I'm not saying it would be fun. But then you, if you went back and watched a walkthrough, you'd be like, wow, I missed that. I missed that. I missed that. There was just, it'd be virtually impossible to see everything on a playthrough. Like, just yeah. blindly following your way through. Uh, well, I said you could, should play Sekiro, so that was a From Software game. Still hard. Mm -hmm. Still no, like, icon of map or anything like that, but one, like, storyline is not anywhere near as esoteric. It's like Dark Souls or Elden Ring or <laughs> See, you don't have to, like, try to pull this shit out. And, like, yeah, it's it's very coherent and, you, it, like, there's still just you're basing everything off of uh, dialogues and, like, item descriptions. Yeah. But it's not, it, like, it's not anywhere near as bizarre. It's a very like easy story to follow. I wouldn't necessarily say the story is, like, overly impressive or anything like that, but it's at least... Oh, this is coherent. I know what's going on. It's not play. It's not doing the the David Lynch thing. Like, what's going on here? Um, <laughs> and then also, I would say, I would actually say the difficulty is harder okay. when you first start playing. Like, I would say the learning curve run it's even steeper. But it is one that once you get into it, it's completely manageable. Like, there are way more no death runs of Sekiro on. Uh, YouTube than there are of like Dark Souls or Dark Souls Three or Elden Ring. I couldn't even imagine a death run of Elden Ring because that would just be like massively crazy. Well, just because of the sheer size of it. Yeah. Uh, but no. So yeah. And the thing about Sekiro is it's actually a rhythm game. Just combat instead of dancing or Guitar Hero. Um, the combat's all rhythm. It's all rhythm. Oh, so like um, slash slash, bam. Well, it's mostly unlike. Mostly I'm pairing. Um, I can't imagine. I've, I haven't played Ghost of Tsushima and no real desire to other games like that, but Sekiro is as close to sword combat I think you're ever going to get out of a video game, at least right now. The <laughs> combat in that game is fucking intense. It's, it's a fucking blast. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, because it's just... Uh, it's just crazy. And there are, there are health bars in the game, and there are enemies that you could say it's more advantageous to just whittle down their health bar. Yeah. But actually, in the game, it's not about the health bar. It's about breaking their guard and getting a death blow. It was like a lot of the... Oh, interesting. So it's like, it doesn't matter. Like, you can whittle them down if you want, but the, but the point is to really, like... Yeah. The okay. point is to, like... So, uh... You know, like a lot, like baseline enemies in the game, you can sneak up. Their stealth is much more of an aspect in that because you're a, you're a shinobi. Uh, yeah. So there's a lot of sneaking up on enemies and things like that. Um, and yeah, you can just basically insta kill them, things like that. So the bosses, like you'll see their health bar at the top of the screen, and there'll be like one or two circles on top of that. And that's actually their health bars plural. Like mm -hmm. you'll need to get, like most bosses in the game have more than one health bar. You'll need to like do that one. But a lot of like the, Sub bosses, I don't know what you like uh, mini bosses. Yeah, will be like a, a tough enemy, like a spear guy or something like that. Some there's, sometimes there's a way to get around behind them and death blow them, so you can before you even fight them, you can take out one of them, one of their health bars, and then so you don't have to fight them through one of them. But 
it's uh it, and then kind there's of, kind of reminds me of like the final the new final fantasy 7 a little bit um where it's like it's a lot more strategy involved in order to figure out how to beat enemies versus like yeah know, that's just like a, that took some getting used to for me mm-hmm. and i did eventually because i was mostly playing that for this for the nostalgia aspect of the story aspect so i did switch the combat to the traditional mode in it yeah. which is still not really traditional like turn-based combat but no. closer and you, you could maybe say it was easier but again i was playing that game for the nostalgia factor it was just yeah uh on that i mean the final fantasy 7 to me was an absolute blast right up until the end i was pissed off at the end but are you talking about the new one or the old one yeah the new one Okay, uh, the but they haven't they, like they haven't released the second the sequel. But I, I mean, the end of the first one, like okay, what was it that pissed you off? Well, have you finished it? Not yeah, but it's fine. Well, it's like, dude, oh. everybody like the story is there. But what okay, pissed you like off? it's yeah, it's a few years old now. So yeah, you fight Sephiroth. Okay, like that in that- the first first game is like you learning about Sephiroth. So the, the first game is basically just Midgard. Yeah. And like so you you infiltrate Shinra Tower and everything like that. You're trying to, you know, rescue Eris and everything like that. And while you're in the tower, you see somebody who was killed. The president of Shinra was killed by Sephiroth. Yeah. Cloud Cloud's like, oh shit, Sephiroth. And everyone's like, who? And they're like, you just go into Sephiroth and then you escape the city. And go off an adventure, and now you're after Sephiroth. Yeah. They added this whole sequence where you actually, like, Sephiroth's the final boss of the game. It's like, no, no, I should not be fighting Sephiroth yet. No. Um, so, was, so you're more mad that they kind of changed, like, how things. They added a bunch of stuff, but they didn't really change anything up until that point. It was, yeah. what the hell? I'm supposed to just be escaping the city, getting away from yeah, but it's not like that is the final boss battle. Like at the end of the day, like that will. But it was in this game, and it was just yeah. I shouldn't be fighting Sephiroth yet. And it was this crazy, like whacked out, like dream sequence, sort of like alternate <laughs> dimension thing. And it was it was crazy. It was just like, no, this is this is the end of the game, not the end of part one. Are you are you not looking forward to what they're going to do with part two? Like I, I know they they right. haven't even talked about what part two is going to be, but right now I am. Um, as much as I get excited about video games anymore, uh, yeah. Going back now, granted, I was in seventh grade when Final Fantasy VII came out. Uh-huh. I played it. Uh, absolute for a long time, it was my favorite game. Played the crap out of it. Absolutely fell in love with it. Uh, not as much as other people though, because I've never beat the Emerald and Ruby weapon, which are these two like super hard optional bosses. And okay. I've, I've seen how to do it, and it's, it's a shit ton of grinding, and I never was going to put in that, like literal days of grinding to have the ability to defeat them. And I just <coughs> was never going to get to that point. That's the one thing is that was a game that involved a lot of grinding, um, yeah. and I'm not about that. Just after a while, it's like enough already. That's kind of what I feel about Witcher. There's no grinding in that game, really, though. Anyway, (laughs) the thing is with I think why Seven just had a just this gigantic splash 
I filled in the days. And like I said with the remake, how part one is just the beginning of the game, like the escape yeah. from Midgar. So that was the first like 3D one, like all the Final Fantasies before that were isometric, you know, top down RPGs like That's true, like like yeah. Legend of Zelda and all that. Uh, I've never played any of them. I know they're really popular with a lot of people, but you couldn't think of like how long games were back then, how long The Legend of Zelda was. I was always a fan of Crystalis. Crystalis is a big RPG on the original Nintendo. When I, when I say big, you could probably play it through beginning to end if you know where to go and how to do everything. And I mean do everything in about seven hours. Hmm. And this is an RPG we're talking about here, not a shooter or anything like yeah. that. Um, so you were playing Final Fantasy, and it was this huge game, and you went and did all this stuff, and you were going to all these different parts of the city, and lo and behold, it's taking like six hours, taking like eight hours, you know, about the length of an entire game was back then. And so you have this big climactic final showdown at Shinra headquarters and everything like that, and you're just like, wow, this is amazing, I'm almost at the end of the game. And then there's this huge chase sequence where you're trying to escape from the city. And that happens, and there's a little cutscene and everything like that. And then it, ex- it leaves that, and it opens to the world map. And right then and there, like back then, you realize you had only just, you had just spent the last eight or ten hours playing this little tiny fraction of the game. And now the game had actually opened up. Yeah. And I just think that blew so many minds back then <laughs> that that is Wasn't- why that game... The first multi-disc game. <laughs> I don't know if it was the first, but it, it was three yeah. discs. And it, I mean, that's yes, it was multi-disc, but like 60% of the game was on disc one, and then like 30% was on disc two, and then the final 10% was on disc three. But, uh, it, it wasn't like evenly split. Um, yeah. All right, man. All right. Well, you have a good night. Yeah. <laughs> We're done. Yeah. yeah. That was a good discussion. What are you drinking tonight, by the way? Well, an impromptu uh, whiskey sour. Okay. Um, I had some leftover Gentleman Jack in the house from the eggnog. And I had made, I ran out of lemon juice for, I was making homemade lemonade due to my medical issue. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So uh, you were laid up. but you weren't really though were you like you were no there wasn't it's been the weirdest thing and i've just been waiting for the boom to fall at any given moment and who knows when that's going to happen it has not yet happened so technically though like monday will be five days right monday will be six days so you should have passed by now I don't know. It's it like so. The doctor flat out told me on Tuesday that she said you're lucky because for a lot of people this is just constant pain, just mm-hmm. pure agony for hours. Um, but I had so like it was it was the weirdest thing. Tuesday morning, I woke up and for like one second it was just fine. It was literally like just waking up, and then like a second later, just immense pain on my left side, immense, and I was like. Oh, I just took like what the hell did I do? So if you remember last year, I pulled my right oblique from a sneeze, and that was that was just horrible. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know how like sneezes come in pairs? Yeah. So I sneezed and I'm like, ow, and sneezed again. And I'm like, ow. And then like four hours later, I sneezed. And like that third time was like a gunshot. Like I just, I was in utter agony from pulling my oblique. <laughs> I love how you're. I love how you're amused by that. That is like the strangest thing I've ever heard. What? I mean, after like I was giving you such a hard time about like, oh, we're getting old, and here you are, like you're like, yeah, I sneezed and pulled my oblique. Like it's something that like an eighty year old man would would complain about. So maybe I don't know. So this pain on my left side instead of my right when I woke up was very reminiscent of that. But I was like, did I sleep on it wrong? I didn't sneeze, and I mean, like it was like one second. Went to bed, nothing. Woke up, and for I mean, for like literally a second, like nothing, and then it hit. It was not like I woke up in pain. It was like I woke up, pain, and it lasted for like thirty minutes, and I could barely move. I, I literally just kind of sat on my toilet for like twenty minutes, and I had taken some Motrin, yeah, hoping to like at least quiet the pain, and then just like the Motrin didn't do anything. Just like twenty, thirty minutes. It's gone. Like, it just vanished. And I'm like, well, that's not the painkiller, because painkiller wouldn't do that. Yeah. Um, so I'm like, okay, I don't know what that was all about. So I drove to work, and then we had to park kind of far away at work, so we have a little shuttle that takes us back and forth. And yeah. Ha- halfway on the shuttle ride, it hit again. And I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, oh. So I, I get to work, and I did, like, the toilet thing again. Sounded like Grandpa Simpson. Yeah. Well, I, did, I just mean, like, that was me internally. I wasn't saying that. Like, I was just like, oh. <clears throat> So I went and talked to I talked to my doc. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, I'm thinking a kidney stone. So go to the ER. They had a guy take me because uh, I didn't oh, like. Okay, so, so, so wait, like you were, you, you were at your doc on base, right? Well, yeah, well, yeah. And so I was just like, yeah, go to, go to the ER. They had a guy take me to the ER. I ended up spending all day there, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they did a CT scan, took blood, urine, all that. And and because that second time again, it was the same thing. It was like half an hour, and then it disappeared. And I get standard practice is they put you in a wheelchair for a CT scan, like whatever, I guess that's just practice. Yeah. So I'm, I'm riding in the, in the wheelchair finally, and this is like hours later. I've spent a long time waiting in the waiting room. I've spent a long time waiting in the room. All that, and it was a very, very dull, weak ache. It wasn't anything like two, like the two episodes I'd had earlier that morning. It was, yeah. it was there, but it was weak, and that went away real fast. And they did the CT scan. They finally came back. Yep, you got a kidney stone. And I'm like, well, crap. Like I've heard nothing but horror stories about these. <laughs> um, <laughs> so they gave me oxycodone, and then I. I don't remember what the other medication's called right off the top of my head, but it's a dilator. Yeah. She even said this theoretically is supposed to like dilate everything and like make passing go easier. I'm like, theoretically, huh? She's like, yeah, theoretically. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then I was so when I talked to my girlfriend about it and, and you and they brought up like the whole acid thing. Yeah. Acid potentially help breaking down. So I went to the store. I bought like a whole bunch of organic lemon juice and organic sugar, and I've been making my own homemade lemonade. And I like I've drank like five cups of lemon juice in the last few days. <laughs> it's just like, uh, 
<laughs> so I had run out of lemon juice like halfway through this batch, and I mixed it with lime juice. An actual sour mix, like real sour mix, is just lemon, yeah. lime, lemon juice, lime juice, and some simple syrup. So I basically made sweet and sour aid. That's <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't have enough uh, lemon juice to just make lemonade, so it's half lemon, half lime. Okay. So I was just like, well, I'll just pour what I have left of that with whatever I've left whiskey, and lo and behold, it's a whiskey sour. Whiskey sour, yeah. You were, uh, well, it's funny, too, because you were like, I got some, you, you're like, oh, I was going to make martinis or whatever, right? I think that's what, what you were. Yeah, and then I, re- I didn't turn on my ice machine, so. Uh, which... Me getting like me like like it was literally six thirty at night and I was driving home from a, a band practice thing and I was like, John, we should meet tonight. Like it was like one of those like so had we planned it, you might have been like, Oh yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and turn on the ice maker and stuff like that. So blame me. That's why that's why you're drinking a whiskey sour. And anybody anybody who might hear that, like, what do you mean turn on the ice machine? I really do not use ice unless I'm making cocktails. Just every once in a while I'll need it for something, but not very often. So I was just like, why well, have this machine running? So I don't have like ice cube. I don't have an ice cube or an ice machine in my fridge. And I don't have ice cube trays. So I have a yeah, a countertop ice maker. And it was just like, I'm not really using my ice right now. And it's just constantly cycling. I'll just turn it off. Because um, it doesn't take long to make ice. And I was like, when I decide I'm going to make drinks or whatever, I'll turn it on. And that was the thing. Like we got set up to go. And I was like, "Oh crap! I forgot to turn on my ice machine." It was, was going to be like twenty minutes before I had ice. So I was like, "No, you know what? I'll just improvise." To be fair, though, too, you were busy trying to finish a mission. Yeah. On two or three, so you know there was that's some right. of that that was like you were a little you know sidetracked well, from the video. Game. That's what I've been doing all week, though. Like, <laughs> while you're recovering from your. Uh... Well, and it's like recovering. Like, I got the whole week off of work, and I was just like, I've been fine since Tuesday morning. And it's like, I want this over with. Is this a, is this a miracle? Like, what? <laughs> Did you the prayed, you, you prayed the kidney stone away. <laughs> it's, it's, like I said, I had those two really, really painful episodes Tuesday morning. It's now Saturday night. And nothing else has happened. So it's like, did the lemon juice work? The lemonade? I don't know. Yeah. But it's like, I'm very grateful that these days have been comfortable, that I have not had the pain, but it's this just sword of Damocles hanging over my head. Like, at any moment, it's going to fall. Like, every time I go to take a leak, I'm like, this is going to be it. Like, I'm just going to be like, ah, like, this is it. This is the big one. Like, <laughs> you feel it ripping up your aretha, just like. <laughs> <laughs> and because that's what's going to happen, or uh, yeah. did I did the dilator thing work? And it, I, I can't imagine that it has not passed. And it was just, had they not given me a CT scan and said, "Yep, you have a kidney stone," I'd be like, "Was this a false alarm?" Like it's really, really. So, like, what is the disconcerting? Did the doc say how long it would take? No. <laughs> I remember when you online and and somebody had said like 45 days which just seems crazy that it would take that long um, over a month to pass a kidney stone i could imagine like it not like it bouncing around and like not finding the exit or whatever yeah and i guess my dad has them and they don't pass i guess i don't know if they're like too big or something like they're not going anywhere 
See, but I've heard that's dangerous. Like you have, like they have to like come out of your system. And, and, and I don't, this is something I don't fully know. I don't understand. Yeah. Um, but it, yeah, it's just like, I, I, I want to, I don't want to go through the agony. Yeah. Like everybody's just said it's a nightmare, but I want this to be over. Like I want to know it's over. I don't want yeah. to play. <laughs> you should you should go back to the ER and be like, I need to know. Did you guys like mess up my CT scan? Uh, can you then, do another one? Like, but then what? What is no pain? But yeah, and so that's probably what's going to happen Monday. So I'll end up going back to the hospital or something like that. So they can yeah. It just, I. It's weird. It's like it vanished. It just vanished. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus said but, no. <laughs> but at the same time, like this is like tempting fate. At the same time, like hey, it vanished, and then in the morning, it's gonna hit. Oh, uh, yeah. So, I mean, I think I told you my friend from work. Like, basically, he he gets them all the time, and he he had one that was really really bad, uh, where he went into the ER because he thought like, and they were thinking it was testicular torsion. Like you hear that, and you're like, oh my god. It's got to be the most painful experience anybody's ever gone through. I, I couldn't imagine getting them on a regular basis. I just, I just couldn't like. Yeah, it so just what it, like it's is it diet or just no? It's just it's genetics. Like some people just make stones. Now your diet can affect it. Lifestyle choices can definitely affect. Like if he eats them regularly, he's probably doing everything that's power to not do it. Like he eats plant based. Like so. He's one of the few guys that I know that's like, no, I'm just all vegan diet, right? Because he's like, I want to try to like keep away from like bad things that could cause it, right? He doesn't drink a lot. He's, but it's, it is, it's all genetics for the, for the guy. Like it's just a constant issue for him. So he gets one a year, at least one a year. I'm not a big fan of suicide, but that might cause it. Um, <laughs> I would tell him to take out my kidney. I really would. Like at some point, I'd just be like, "You just need to like remove it." Like, was it the same kidney every time? Or I don't know if it is. I just like I feel like you know, like if it is, I'd rather be on dialysis. Like... <laughs> I just drain, just constantly drain my blood, recycle it. Oh Jesus! Yeah, I can't imagine that honestly. So I, I feel for you, man. I really do. I. I've gone through some some pretty painful things in my life between a sciatic nerve issue and stuff like that, and I just, yeah, I'm, I'm a wuss for it all. So yeah, I, I'm happy you're not in pain. Yeah, just want it to be over. You know, it's a, it's a good thing though. You haven't had to, have you taken any oxy at all? I took them that first day. Obviously, they didn't give me very many. Um, yeah, I think the instructions say one pill every six hours for pain and. Yeah. I think I had a total of seven pills on the so first I, day. I th- well, like, like the prescription was like seven pills. Oh, okay. And and then it was actually something my girlfriend said because I took one as soon as I got home because I, basically I got home from the hospital. It's like it's going to happen any minute now. Um, so I took one and then took one out of bed, and she was just like, "Well, if you're not in any pain, I'd, I'd save it for when you are in pain." So I've yeah. just been sitting on like. Because I'd be, you know, taking them if I'd taken all seven of them already for not no pain, and then and then it does hit. Like, what am I going to do then? True, that's true. I was like, I've never, I've never been on 
Oxy. I was on Tylenol and Codeine. Um, I was on Vikes actually one time. I was on Vicodin. Um, I was in Vicodin for my when I took my wisdom teeth. Yeah, it didn't do a damn thing for me. Uh, oh damn! I felt the eight hundred milligram Motrin you get in the military, but not that. It put it put me out like I not like sleepy out. Just like, do you remember when we took those muscle relaxers and we were falling asleep at Rodizio Grill eating? I thought that was just me. No, it was you and I. Because I took them because I had a headache. I I took it because somebody said you should try this, and all I remember is sitting at the table at Rodizio Grill, falling asleep, and you falling asleep, and then the only time that you woke up was when they came around with meat, and you're like, okay, <laughs> yeah, and you come back asleep. So yeah, that, that story people always made made you know laugh when I told them that story. So yeah, <laughs> I was pretty prone to migraines. Kinda okay, kind of still am, I guess, but. And it was just because back then I was an electrician and I worked with Jake. Yeah. And we were all going to the Rodizio Grill that night. And I just, that was one of those days I just had one of my terrible headaches. And I still don't remember the kid that lived next door to him. Yeah. Um, and I had complained about my headache. And he's like, oh, I got something you should try for it. And yeah, it was like those sample prescription packets that's like a full page, but there's only like one pill or two pills yeah. on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and all I remember is that the la- the label was blue and green. That's all I remember. I had no, no idea what it was called or anything. And he's, he said, a guy your size, you should probably take like three of them. I'm like, okay, because my head hurts so bad. And I was like, yeah. I'll, I'll do anything to get rid of this headache. And well, it didn't get rid of my headache. Like that. I was like, no. <laughs> it just puts you right out. And then we were, well, it was just like nothing. I was like, well, we're, so we're heading downtown to go to the Brazilian steakhouse. And yeah, just in the car, just. <laughs> and, you know, we get downtown, and whoever like shakes me awake, like, John, we're here. And of course, it's like an eight block walk to the restaurant. And well, not I, like, we had to just, wait for the stupid food. Like, we had to wait to even get in because yeah, I so, but, being at like some building next door, and we're just like, oh. yeah. It was, so, yeah, it was like an hour and a half wait because we're a bunch of idiot 19 year olds. We didn't make reservations, and it's a Friday yeah. night. And, <laughs> So, and it's just, yeah, that eight block walk through downtown. I'm just a zombie. It's a miracle I didn't get hit by a car or something. <laughs> but <clears throat> I'm just out of it. And then, yeah, we got to wait. I'm like, well, shit, we got to wait. So then I'm just, anytime I stopped, I just passed out. Yeah. And then, yeah, sitting on those spindly little chairs, just sleeping in, yeah, Brazilian oh. Steakhouse. So they bring the meat around. And, like, you know, according <laughs> to, you know, our friends, I would, like, wake up when they brought the meat, eat, and fall back asleep. And I don't, re- I don't remember the walk back to the car or anything. I was just woke up at Cowboy's house at like two in the morning. I'm sitting on the couch, and somebody put a pillow and blanket next to me, like just. <laughs> How did I get here? Yeah, I had no like out of it. So I told that story to like <clears throat> a guy I used to work for, and like I, it was there was another guy there, so he was like, I guess you could say he was my boss. So. He's listening to the story, and the guy next to him is, like, listening to the story. And, like, when I finished, he, like, looks at the guy next to him, and he looks back at me. He looks at the guy next to him, and looks back at me. He's like, John, I think you got a roofie. <laughs> it felt like it. Like, it, it was <laughs> like, total roofie. Nobody raped oh, you. but Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. That, that, that probably is the closest any, like, you have gotten to being roofied. 
Ever. Yeah, yeah. Then again, what the hell even were those? Like I said, I don't. I don't know. <clears throat> All I remember I just, is the label Steve was blue and green. This is like stuff my mom's takes. And it was like Jake's okay. neighbor. It was Jake's neighbor. So. Jake's. Oh, Jake. Okay, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought I. This is stuff my mom takes. Okay, cool. If I was, just, we were still in touch with him. I'd ask, hey, who was that fucking kid anyway? Like, <laughs> I'd really like to know this now because what the hell was that all about? Yeah, what, what 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 shit did he give us that probably destroyed our livers that we didn't even know? You know, so it sucks when you get you just have headaches that bad that you're like, drill a hole in my skull. That sounds like a good idea. Like, so. Okay, because I've, I've been, like, dealing with, like, a weird issue. Like, so I haven't worked out since December, you know? Um, and I'll go on small little runs and stuff like that, but I haven't actually physically, like, gone to the gym and since December. Because I've been dealing with, like, ever since I got the flu, I've been dealing with, like, these weird vertigo dizziness issues, right? And so finally got an MRI done, and they, they came back with, I have a what's called a Chiari malformation, which is where the brainstem... Like, this is just weird fucked up shit, right? But this is where the brainstem is actually down into my, like, neck cavity. Like, my brain is kind of shifted, like, this way. Explains Not horribly, but just, like, you know. So, it's a weird, like, but but they, that's what they're saying is wrong. That's why I'm having these weird, like, weird symptoms. It's like, it's it's all related to that. So, I got to go see a neurosurgeon to figure out like, what they want to go to. So, there you go, man. So, don't feel bad. Like we're just getting old. It's just part of like us like, growing up, I guess. Now, now we get the fun of going to see a doctor every week for some weird ache and pain that shouldn't be there. Yeah. Like this, <clears throat> the whole thing with like from forty on, when you go see the doctor, yeah, <clears throat> they just nod their head at stuff. They don't fix anything anymore. <laughs> like you're like, doc, this. This part of me is broken. And they're like, yep. <laughs> yep. It's about the time in your life where that breaks. And they're just like, well, shit. Like, <clears throat> we might have a pill for that. We might have a pill for that. But yeah, yeah. That's the thing. I do not, I do not want to just be this dude on a whole bunch of different ass medication. Like, they, your parents are, though, aren't they? Like, it was your yeah, dad? Mostly it's... my dad. Not my mom so much, my dad. And I'm just, no, no thing. Granted, I mean, he has cancer. Um, no way. I thought I told you all this. No, you didn't. Yeah. Um, I'm afraid. Is it prostate? But it's like, when it was officially diagnosed, he said it was about the best bad news you could get. So he's he's in his uh, radiation therapy now, and it seems like it's going well. Like, he has cancer. So, yes. Okay. I mean, that, that's the thing. Like, anytime you hear... Anytime you hear those words about your loved ones, it's never good news. And you no. To hear. But like I said it was caught early. And like I said, it, as he put it, it was the best bad news you could have gotten. Um, so, like, he's on a billion pills. Because I know that he was diabetic or type 2, right? So he was taking... Wh- whichever is the least... Type bad. 2. Yeah, yeah, type 2s. Yeah, yeah. Well, all diabetes is bad. Like, just type 2. But I mean, like... It's tight oh. ones where you're, where you're on dialysis and all that. <clears throat> He's not okay. on that. Um, okay. And it's something I'm at risk for because my grandfather had it too. Yeah, but if you keep, like, if you if you stay, like, if your lifestyle choices, like, for example, you've done a lot to, like, like, you work out, you, you do a lot to, like, eat healthy, right? Probably smoking, 
isn't helping your situation, but at the same time, you know. It's kind of why I'm back to doing this. It was just like, man, I, I was like, man, I don't really have a problem with enjoying some smokes every now and then, but I'm really, I'm back to being a smoker. I don't want to be that way. Yeah. So, I mean, this is just a step on the path. Um, <clears throat> it's funny though, because uh, so I was at uh, a friend's house, uh, Pete's house, uh, Saturday or not Saturday um, for New Year's Eve, <clears throat> and I got trashed. Like I, I was, I basically, me and his wife finished off a bottle of tequila to ourselves, and um, I remember going outside to the garage. Peter was out there because he still smokes, and Peter, Peter's out there smoking, and I was like, Peter, give me a cigarette. Like it was like that's how trashed I was, and I took a drag and I started coughing. And I was like, nope, and I put it out. I was like, oh, this. so I yeah, like I just don't know how you can still smoke. Like it's weird to me. Being so far removed, almost 15 years removed from it. Well, <clears throat> I, still, I, I mean, I keep myself because I quit for six years, like quit yeah. and still found my way back to it. Um, and some of that's yeah. probably job, though, because you find it easier to sit in the like whatever no. the break room or whatever it is. No, no. Just found my way back to it. Hmm. And again, I, I, I regret doing it. So, um, uh, when I was, it was bad basically when my marriage broke up, um, yep. and I was alone in that house, you know, it's weird. Like <sighs> there was just a lot of downtime during that, like yeah, a lot of time to myself and you would think, okay, that's the time to like, you know, where you're in that big house without your kids, without the dogs. I think you just had the cats. It was, yeah. It was just me and the cat. And, you know, middle of nowhere, you know, it's not even, I mean, I wouldn't be the type to go to a bar. Or anything. Yeah. So you'd, you'd think like I'd buy like 10 bottles of booze and just start going through them. Nope. Yeah. Didn't drink. Uh, and just not that, you know, you watch TV or something to like fill the, but just, or like, you'd think I'd binge watch 10 TV shows just to fill the time. Yeah. I couldn't get into anything. Like I... I've, in prayer times, I've, I've you know I've just realized I'm just not a tricky, just not. Yeah. Like tried to watch the original series, got about eight episodes in, just couldn't be interested. <laughs> so I tried the Next Generation. Same thing, got like eight or nine episodes in, just couldn't get into it. And pe- different people have told me it's like, dude, I don't even like Trek. I'm not a Trekkie at all. But Deep Space Nine <laughs> is where it's at. And I've heard that several. Like there are people that just swear by Deep Space Nine. So that was like the one thing I was like, okay, because I'm just, I'm just, you know, climbing the walls here. I'm yeah. sad. I'm depressed. I'm lonely. This house feels haunted. So I started Deep Space Nine. I did get a little further with that. I got through two seasons, but then I just no stop. So you would think like I would, you know, I would have done all this random crap. I would have, you know, watched a bunch of TV shows or yeah. turned into an alcoholic or something like that. No. But I was constantly going outside to smoke, like, and I would do it well after hours. There's nobody outside. I'm looking at the stars. And I just, yeah. I'd kind of having a cigarette's not really like long enough to go on any serious walks. But I would just like pace up and down my street, yeah. and and I would, and I mean, I'd be doing it like every hour on the hour. That was my cope, I guess. Um, and that's kind of where I got into vaping at that yeah. point. And I was just like, man, I can't. 
can't smoke anymore. Uh, I shouldn't be doing this. I quit. Like I, I had been a non-smoker for years. Like when I got mm-hmm. back to it, so I kind of got into vaping, and, it, and vaping would work for like a month, and then I would just I'd need a pack. Like I just got to switch it back up and go back to cigarettes for a while. Um, and then I quit vaping, um, but kept smoking. Yeah. Uh, and so now this is, this has been like two weeks or something and now still to this day. And I was, it's not an excuse, but I always say to people, like I've never been a pack a day smoker or anything like that. Yeah. I've never have been. And I still wasn't still never been a pack a day smoker. Uh, but I was just like, enough's enough. And I just, I still had my vapes. Yeah, I never, I never got rid of them. They've been sitting for like a year and years. So I charged them back up. I got some new juice, some new coils. It's just, it's been about two weeks now without a cigarette. Um, just so, vaping, yeah, yeah. I'm not surprised though that like during the divorce, like the way that you describe it is like going outside looking because you're the guy. When we went to like Paris and the Platte, right? John disappears from the table. And you're either two, one of two places. You're either in the bathroom, right? And we're getting ready to leave and we get you out of the bathroom. And it's like, all right, cool. Or we're getting ready to leave. You're completely gone. And come to find out you're like across the street where the Platte River's at, standing outside smoking a cigarette for the last hour, looking up at the stars. Like that was, like yeah. that was always the thing. Like you would just, dis- it- I'm not surprised that that's like how you kind yeah. of hoped. That was always. And- yeah, that's kind of always been. And to me, so back then when we were all just idiot teenagers and smoking yeah. and everything like that, I mean, this was like the tail end of the years where they still had smoking sections in restaurants and could still smoke yeah. indoors and all that. But even like when back then, I've never liked smoking indoors. Yeah, I never really liked it. So I've always, I've always just preferred to just go outside for a cigarette. Yeah, and I might come surprise you from like the houses when we've lived together and stuff like that. But we're really, all, I, yeah, yeah we, we were all smoking, <laughs> but it was just. I've I really have just never liked smoking indoors. I never have. Yeah. Um, I don't blame you. So speaking of stars, you brought you actually you brought this up. Um we were talking about the uh like in and you in I and forgive me because you're gonna have to explain to me like I'm five again because I kinda understand what you were saying essentially, but like you shared like this really cool article essentially about with the James Webb telescope. And it's showing that the universe is not as or is older than we actually think it is. Well, that's not what it shows. So, <clears throat> what is it? And think back, it's like I could have sworn this was old news because the James Webb Telescope is newer and in many ways more powerful than the Hubble Telescope. But yeah, the, the Hubble Telescope still been capable of some incredibly immense things, and it's years and years old now and it's now infamous from the Hubble telescope it was, I think it's just called the deep space field very famous picture and I want to say it's something like 13.8 billion light years where it's just taking a picture and it's just and all it is is these spots but it's like these spots are galaxies like we look all the way away and we see just more galaxies <clears throat> and it's a uh, it's now it's, I don't I don't know if it's ever made the news before, but now with this article that came out, this is from the James Webb Telescope, where it's just looking incredibly deep space. And 
they're just floored. And that's this is why it's such a weird disconnection for me. Like, like, didn't we already see this stuff with the Hubble telescope? So the article was talking about this is we're seeing the impossible is how the article put it from according I think it was this this one lady astronomer's uh, press conference or whatever it was, press release. Yeah. I think it was called the red dot. So we're looking at it and come to find out. Like we're looking I think fourteen billion light years away and there's a galaxy. And the thing is, is that ostensibly per the Big Bang, the galaxy is or the universe is fourteen point six billion years old is I think the number. Yeah. Um so when we look that far away, like when you look up at the sun, the sun's light takes eight minutes to get to us. So the light you see from the sun is eight minutes old. Yeah. So on and so forth. So when you look at Sirius, Sirius is eight light years away, so the light you're seeing is eight years old. When we're looking some that far away, because we're now looking at 14 billion light years away, mm-hmm. we should be seeing an incredibly, relatively speaking, young universe. We should be seeing like the immediate, relatively speaking, immediate aftermath of the Big Bang. Uh, okay, so that's how they would that's how they would determine that it's a young universe, not that, or just well, how you know, yeah. this is defined explanation, as as the article put it, because we we're looking at fourteen billion year old light. Why aren't we seeing the events that we have predicted or that we have analyzed and we have made the educated guess, I'll say, that this is what was happening 14 billion years ago. Yeah. This is what we should be observing. We should be seeing basically per the timeline, like the galaxies weren't even forming. Like you're literally just talking about like just the expansion of sheer mass that hasn't even coalesced in the galaxies and stuff like that yet. Mm. So why are when we we're looking at a timeline of what the universe should be in its infancy, why are we seeing fully developed galaxies? So I what I speculate is either <clears throat> one, this is either just gonna disappear and just turn a blip in the radar and you're never gonna hear about it again. Or two, they'll We've done some analysis, and we now determined that the universe is actually 25 billion years old or something like that. Yeah. Um, and then they'll build a telescope that looks out 25 billion light years or whatever, and they'll be like, oh, wait, something's wrong here. Like, it's just... And who knows at that point? But, yeah. We are seeing... Not what we'd expect. So, yeah, either the universe is far older than we first... Uh, analyze, but that would that would fly in the face of a bunch of other predictions. Yeah, they have to re, they have to basically take all these models of how old the the universe is, yeah. and how it was formed, and stuff based upon that age. And we, <laughs> so that's you know who wants to do that? We talk because we now we have to. Well, we previously said like the Milky Way is four billion years old, or the, like the Sun's four billion years old. So now does that mean it's eight billion? Years, like a whole bunch of, but that's based on a measurement of the relative mass of the Sun. Yeah, and, and how at the rate at which it converts hydrogen to helium because it's a big giant fusion reactor. Yeah, so all that has to be taken into account. It's just yeah. so that that idea comes with a whole host of problems. Yeah, the other explanation 
and this isn't this in itself it's not saying anything in one way or the other but it essentially now is that the existence of old light is not in and of itself an indication of how old anything is that's the and that's the kicker which still messes things up, like enough like right like because <clears throat> like how how are like we've based a lot on the measurement of light right like travel for example like when we talk about like faster than light travel right even though it doesn't yeah. exist right now right but we've still based it on you know it's going to take x amount of time to travel from x to from a to b based upon the way that light travels through the universe like there's no like how do you how do you account for that because well that i mean that's a slightly different thing but just as we understand it the speed of light is the barrier to all yeah. conventional idea of motion and travel. Mm -hmm. And that there is no essential way to actually move faster than light. It's essentially impossible. So any type of interstellar travel or anything like that would require something different. Yeah. There is no like way to go faster than light and again even when you say that how much faster are you talking about because even several hypothetically speaking several times faster than light still wouldn't mean much that's just how big the universe is even how big the galaxy is i mean the galaxy is 125,000 light years across so at the speed of light it would take 125,000 light years to cross the galaxy mm -hmm. If you're moving 10 times the speed of light, which is impossible, but even if you could, that yeah. still means it would take 12 and a half years, you know, or I'm sorry, 12,500 years to cross the galaxy. True. And 10 times the speed of light, which isn't, you know, so the whole idea of any type of space travel would involve something else. Yeah. Like wormholes or, you know, teleportations. You know, it's a the whole bag of worms, you know, that opens up there. It's just not Interstellar is such an interesting film. <laughs> Still haven't seen that, but so. Oh, you haven't seen it? No. You like I, I can imagine because um like again you you get into the science of this like right, like at the end of the day, this is stuff that I like still goes beyond me. In a lot of ways. And so, but I think you could watch it and you could really dig how real the science feels, like how, like how he did such a great job of really trying to like formulate that. Um, but you might have some problems with that. Like, I know, I know, like, I know you and sometimes of the, re the, those reality gaps, right? It's the same <laughs> reason like why movies, just, like, I think why military style films tend to like get on your nerves because you're like i live the military i know what what it's like and you're basically shoving yeah. it in my face like this is how it really is you know so. yeah and it's like when i i like man i like this cop movie or this yeah. cop show just knowing cops are just like oh my god this is bullshit. <laughs> um, and it's because it's this it's the same thing like it just it hard and it's not that i, I mean i really like i mean i'm not a marine or anything like that, but i really yeah. like heartbreak 
I like Full Metal Jacket, you know. So, granted, apparently Full Metal Jacket's pretty spot on. Um, <laughs> to Vietnam or just to that branch in general? To the Marine Corps. Okay. Um, yeah. uh, anyway, uh, you know, that's kind of not the, And now, granted, movies are escapism. They're yeah. stuff like that's almost actually why I just kind of prefer outlandish fantasy settings or something like that. Because yeah, anything that is remotely terrestrial or normal, then it's like well, I'm constantly having to judge it against normal like reality, and it's it it just you know creates a, a cognitive dissonance in me. I guess I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but the thing, and I we I brought the, I don't know if we brought it up on the podcast before. I have a real hard time with science fiction, or I've kind of come to the realization I have a hard time with science fiction. Because there's, even when they try to do some sort of, like, authentic uh, explanation of interstellar travel or something like that, there's yeah. this abracadabra magic into it. it just, just don't think about it too much. Screw <laughs> Star Trek. Why you hate Star Trek? Honestly. I don't hate Star that's... Trek. I just realize I'm not a Trekkie. Um, yeah, but some well, of that, okay. like some of that, is part of Star Trek. Like all of a sudden, I, like if I, we okay. do this, we'll blow up the blob. Or, or actually, I mean, I still can't really say I hate Star Trek, but if I hate Star Trek, it's because it's Marxist propaganda. Always was. Uh, Gene Roddenberry was a Marxist. Um, yeah, he was. Uh-huh. He yeah. was actually a fan of Chairman Mao. So, oh, was it? I didn't know that. But, yeah. Oh, <clears throat> like and that's the thing. And that to me is, you know, I try to say that leftists are basically like. Star Trek's a religion. I'm not even referring to like they are fans of the literal show of Star Trek. No. It's that Star Trek is a representation of where they think their utopia is going to bring us. Exactly. Like, the yeah. right amount of like government and legal system and technology will solve all of humanity's problems. <laughs> it's all bullshit. This is, this is so, why I like Abram Star Trek because come to find out that the Federation is actually evil. <laughs> like. When you watch part two, you're like, "Oh shit, the Federation's actually evil!" Like, great greatness of the Federation is not there. Well, and that was like Into Darkness. That one was called, and a lot of people said it was a shitty movie. I'm not here to judge the movie on its merits, but it was a pretty naked uh, 9/11 conspiracy theory allegory. Yeah, like (laughs) a a pretty naked one. Like it was. Yeah, it was. There wasn't anything subtle about that at all. Like, uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, so and like I brought it up before with Inglorious Bastards, and it's not sci-fi, but the, the same mentality is there. And yeah, it's it's not on it's a weird revisionist history to be able to yeah. Which you know, if you actually like question somebody about it and actually ask them directly, and they have to think about it, they're like, "Well, yeah, it's fiction," and yeah, mm-hmm. it's fiction. And I don't blame Quentin Tarantino for this. I don't think he has any responsibility of it. But I'm just saying. People like some somewhere out there. There's an idiot that watched *Inglorious Bastards* and they think that's how Hitler died. Yeah, true. They're just it's like I said. It's, I don't blame Tarantino for that. I blame people. Um, but that somewhere out there, that guy exists. Um, and that kind of that phenomenon is particularly prevalent prevalent with science fiction. Yeah, because like. You know, like you know, Star Trek's fiction, right? Well, yeah, of course it's fiction. But in the back of their heads, they're just saying, "Well, one day it won't be fiction anymore." Like, because we're yeah. gonna figure, we're going to one day figure out the warp, warp drive, warp core. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like no, Which happens no. Like, 
they built these books that are huge diagrams that these these people like cherish is like oh somebody wrote this and there's an engineering mindset to it it's it's, it just needs to be made we just need to find the right technology to do this it's like stop it just stop it like contact is probably uh, you know what arrival does a really good job though too of uh, of blending the reality versus like the charlie sheen movie or what's that arrival yeah or no, that was the arrival. I think the arrival. Yeah, yeah. Arrival. Arrivals with uh, 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 she was kind of Lois Lane from uh, the stars from the um, from the Superman movies. Um, Amy Smart. No, not Amy Smart. A- Amy uh, Adams. Amy Adams. Um, Dennis Vill- Villeneuve, uh, the guy who who did the new Dune movie and Blade Runner twenty forty nine. This was like Villanueva or Villanueva. Yeah. Um, it, it's such a it like. You're such a fan of Contact. I feel like you should watch this movie. Yeah, we've been sitting here trashing sci-fi, and my favorite yeah. movie is Contact. Yeah, Contact. But. Well, but again, though, like Contact did a really good job of trying to blend this. This, this is, and, and this is where where I love Arthur C. Clarke. Um, you know, and and I, I know this, this this that wasn't Clark. That was uh, what's his name? Um, that was Carl Sagan. Carl Sagan Carl, wrote that novel. Carl Sagan did the same thing of like. They they did take reality like they based their science fiction in reality as it existed that day, like it didn't it wasn't like they're trying, you know for example Arthur C Clarke in uh, two thousand one, you know they understood that they could simulate gravity and he just wrote it into a story, you yeah know? yeah there was a big ass space station that was stimu- simulating it, but at the same time like they the concept was very real it wasn't something that like we had yeah. to like you know dig you know, for like. We have a space station in the sky right now. Yeah, that that is not out of the realm of possibility. No, the trip the trip to which the book a lot of people don't know this the the original two thousand one book they were going to Saturn not Jupiter. Yeah, yeah, and Saturn not Jupiter. Yeah. And when Stanley Kubrick changed it to Jupiter in the movie because it was more realistic to him. I don't know why he chose Jupiter. You probably know that better. I, I've never actually heard why. He, yeah, yeah. Um, he felt he then, felt that the, there was a better chance of life on the moons in Jupiter than there were. On, <laughs> well, it wasn't about life on the moons themselves. In no. Anyway, anyway, we're like kind of off topic, but yeah, yeah. Just so when Arthur C. Clarke wrote the sequel, 2010, also because just a few years prior, the Voyager probe had gone by Jupiter and had sent us back pictures, and that was our first real look at at Jupiter's moons in a way. That, yeah. He just said, okay, I'll just, the movie was Jupiter, I'll just stick with Jupiter. Even though the original book was Saturn. Um, which I get with what Stanley Kubrick was doing with that movie, but I was, because I actually read the book first, I was actually really sad that part wasn't in the movie because it was like a perfect white oval on the face of Titan. I'm trying to remember which Saturn yeah. moon it was. Yes. And it was like 200 kilometers by 400 kilometers. And like when David Bowman's like recording his messages to send the ship back to Earth, he's like, it's like a sea of frozen milk. He's like, that's the only way I can describe it. And the monolith was just standing perfectly in the center. Yeah. And he was taking the probe down to land on it. And there was still, even with that, even with Arthur C. Clarke, there's a little bit of just magic thrown in, like just a lot of stuff you just take on faith. Yeah. Um, like the Star Trek situation. That is all, that's fantasy. Like there's yeah. like, it was like one of the original alien, ancient alien things. Oh, yeah. yeah. But 
the like the ship to Jupiter was more or less realistic. Like even down to the actual engine type, the fact that it was actually taking months and months to get there. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it is what it is, and that's better sci-fi. Mm-hmm. You know, I just uh, there's just a lot of just movie magic there, and it was space is just so immensely vast. We can't even. It's, it's even it can never be mapped. There's no way. Even like, just, I mean, even just immediate space, like even just hypothetically speaking, regular colonization with Mars to the yeah. point of like actual interaction on a regular basis of like ships or whatever going back and forth, where we actually have like a permanent Mars colony that's not even cut, it's not like there and gone and they're forgotten about. Like we actually have right, people coming and going, everything like but, you know, they just found something else out about Mars. Oh, that what's that? Basically, basically, even if you could hypothetically like live there in a capacity, your life would be greatly shortened. Like, oh, like, shit. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So, I mean, this is just, this is one of the most basic of things. I just, yeah, smart people out there think about it, but just your average just kind of Joe Schmo idiot doesn't. No. Um, hypothetically speaking, Let's say you you live in Chicago, mm-hmm. and for whatever reason, whatever job you work requires you to go to drive to New Orleans like four times a year. So I'm like, I don't know. This is hypothetically speaking. So like once a quarter, like once every three months, you got to drive to New Orleans and back. Well, every time you make that trip from Chicago to New Orleans and back, it's the same trip every time. Mm-hmm. Maybe I mean you could take different roads if you want, or something like that. But basically, it's the same distance. New Orleans and Chicago are always the same distance apart. Go there, come back, go there, come back, go there. Go there. Yeah, yeah. Mars and Earth move, and they move at different rates. Whenever we have made our Mars probe missions, we've always timed them to go coincide with, coincide the, shortest with distance, yeah. the shortest distance. And you got to think, like, even though technically Venus is the closest planet to us, Mars is further. Yeah. You got to think there are times when Mars is closer than Venus because Mars is on the same side of the sun as us, and Venus just so happens to be on the other side at the same time. So Venus is all the way on the other side of the sun, while Mars is on the same side of the sun as us. So in that instance, Mars is actually closer to us. So, like, our year is one year. I think Mars is two. So. We, we orbit the sun twice for every time Mars does. So it's just this, you know, constant, you know. So at any given time, to make regular trips back and forth to Mars, distance is different. Yeah. And that's just the second closest planetary body to us. I mean, to say nothing of Jupiter. Yeah. Because Jupiter's 12, Jupiter's years, 12 of our years. So. Yeah. Think how much different that is now, and and that is just talking about our solar system. Yeah, space is so immensely big. At the speed of light, it would take you a half an hour to get to Mars, give or take, depending on where it is. Yeah, take you about an hour and a half to get to Jupiter. Like it's a it's a massive, massive place. Four years to get to the closest star. And, oh, by the way, there's nothing there. There's no reason to go there. And that's the closest star. So, 
this like is a really good question then like because i i can't believe it's really hard for me to believe in life outside of this world right like it's it's just it's it really is like so given everything that you're saying how do people still hold on to this like hope that like there is life outside of this universe. Like we just haven't seen it yet. Like it, it, it just seems so outside of this universe or, or this world. Like, you know yeah. how like life extraterrestrial yeah. life. How well, is that possible? Like it's the, okay. it's just this weird, like they want to hold on to something so, so bad. You, there is the modern godless state religion. Yeah. And it is a religion. Make no mistake. Yeah. Evolution is its origin story. Mm-hmm. Climate change is its doomsday prophecy. It's a religion. Yeah. Media and, per- and professors are its proselytizers, proselytizers and priests. Yep. Antifa and BLM are its inquisitors. It is a religion. Yep. And extraterrestrial life, this also kind of ties into the Star Trek thing. I was talking about, yeah. Like with the utopian idea. Extraterrestrial life are the supreme beings of this religion. Yeah, because their existence would essentially confirm a lot of things. From that's why they need it to exist. Now, I, and I understand that with something as vast as the universe, even as vast as our galaxy, it is really easy to believe in extraterrestrial life. Mm-hmm. But that is called gambler's fallacy. Yeah, actually, a term for it: gambler's fallacy. Like, I got to win sooner or later. Um. That that's really what it comes down to. They just there's no way that this only place life exists when everything is just so big. And I, and the thing is, going now back to just how big space is, any other life out there is largely irrelevant. If if yeah. there if there was, it's really irrelevant. It yeah. Really is. Uh, we're just that far apart. Um. Uh, it's not like they're our next door neighbor that we can just go borrow sugar from. Like it's it's, it's, it's yeah, it's it's just tremendously, tremendously vast, and we don't know what technology is going to look like in the future, but we have a reasonably a reasonable enough grasp of mathematics to know what's possible, what's not. Yeah, and it's not like we're just discovering this stuff. Oh, like we can actually, we, we know math well enough to actually extrapolate forward and come to, come to some uncomfortable realities, at least uncomfortable yeah. for some people. But really like you look out in the vast of space and you really, really want to believe that this is not the only earth out there or anything like that. But you have to really understand how perfect conditions are here. Yeah. There are so many things that make conditions for life here. Perfect. Um, well, and again, like, how do like even if even if that was even if that was the case, right? Like, when they when when scientists get on their you know, oh, we've been looking at these like images from far out there, and we can turn around and say like, oh, this planet has the perfect conditions for life. Like, it has the perfect conditions for life in that uh, like Earth life, or you know, like how do they determine like our our viewpoint is us. Right. So we don't know necessarily what else is out there, but we know the periodic table. Yeah. Periodic table is not going to be different, you know. No, it's like a thousand yeah. light years away. The, the yeah. things that make life or the things that make life, you know. 
it's um, like we can turn around and say like the the like here math is the technical like language of everyone you know so you know it's, it's in that same kind of so it's yeah and they they have not said that yet they try to talk about like we've discovered a goldilocks planet yeah they they have found planets in the goldilocks zone of a star they haven't found a goldilocks planet and it's just they have found a lot of things on other systems and it just like would be an incredibly there's planets we have found that just from what we know for based on our star system conditions there would be far harsher than anything in our solar system yep. including venus including mercury and on the other side of the spectrum including pluto or mars or something like that um yeah it's just I mean, things you don't even think about, like just the specific amount of water coverage this planet has. It's not that we would be substantially harder if we were closer to the sun. Mm -hmm. If we had, say, 50% ocean coverage instead of 70, this planet would be substantially warmer. The water, the oceans are a gigantic heat sink that actually that keeps our planet relatively temperate. Again, like take away 20% of that ocean coverage, this planet would be substantially more arid. In less arable. Yeah. Um, the the gas giants in our outer solar system, they're they're big giant bodyguards protecting us from asteroids and things like that. Yeah. They spin around and their their massive gravity wells actually capture things that could potentially hit us um, and redirect them and things like that. And hypothetically speaking, under perfect conditions, it could actually backfire where it could like propel something directly into us that wasn't going to hit us, but Odds of that are tremendously remote. By and large, mm -hmm. they divert things that would be coming into the inner solar system, potentially posing a threat. The moon's exact distance and size is a huge part of why this planet is habitable. Yep. Um, just thing after thing after thing after thing after thing. And then, of course, the uncomfortable thing nobody wants to talk about is life is not just necessarily the chemicals or anything like that. Life is order. Yeah. Well, and again, because then you would be essentially giving morality. You would be essentially giving a higher being the ability to say, like, they created it versus the crap suit that evolutionists want it to be. <laughs> and that's the thing. Whether or not they're right or wrong on this, that's the other thing. The extraterrestrial life would essentially, to them, give confirmation to evolution. Yeah. Uh, that's the other part of it. Um, yeah, because but, it takes away religion's idea of what you know. Oh, life, and it's it's. I said gambler's fallacy. It's also the, the, I don't even know what kind of fallacy this would be called off the top of my head. But the give a thousand monkeys a thousand years with a thousand typewriters, and they'll come up with no, Shakespeare. Shakespeare. Yeah, no, no, they won't. No, they won't. Yeah, that that is a false assumption. Yeah, and it's same out in the universe. Just extrapolated out. It's. You know, it's not just like, oh, there's just so much out there that eventually all the conditions are going to meet just right. Like, you can take all the chances you want, but it's not going to create order. Yeah. It is amazing how... I, I don't know, like, it, it's still like, I, when, I, when I take that, like, when you take that long look, Right, and you, and we we tear it all down. I think that's the one thing that, that 
that I'm always left with is like, how do you, how do you not, like, how can you not see the order in it? As we breathe out CO2, trees breathe in CO2 and breathe out oxygen. Right? So like just that alone shows that like the, the that magnitude of order, right? Like that, that like, we were created symbiosis, symbi you know, in a symbiotic nature. And the symbiosis is just one tiny, like there's so many different threads yeah. that, you know, all rely on each other. You couldn't have like one without the other. And it's, yeah, there's just, yeah, it's. It's not a crapshoot. It's not just like suddenly somebody wrote like the guppy, the, this one guppy got lucky and happened to be able to breathe on land. It's just, it's not, it's not possible. Yeah. I think it's just possible. It's not. Um, uh, Microevolution is also called speciation or variation, yeah. stuff like that. It exists. It's been observed. It is not a threat to any religion or anything like that. Um, it is basically stating that like all creatures had a common ancestor. Well, not a common ancestor. Is that like what Genesis refers to as kinds? Mm -hmm. Why am I forgetting the taxonomic so like i don't remember how it all breaks down but, so it's like the big groups of the kingdoms actually yeah uh like the, yeah and, and like the bottom two are like guinness species and, mm -hmm. so that uh i think it's just Ken Ham, i don't remember who, but it was essentially equating what in genesis one refers to as kinds mm -hmm. equates to like the fourth tier whatever so like species guinness family and type I, I don't remember, but so that was so that you had the series of uh, ancestors of all the different species. Then, okay. so when they point to examples, readily available examples of microevolution, they point to it's the they have falsely associated to macroevolution. Um, it's not the same. It's it like is the, the beaky bird theory. It is like they use that as a you know, Mic microevolution is the shuffling of a pre-existing deck, and then dealing out the hands, and then occasionally you'll get a hand you've never seen before, mm -hmm. but the deck the hand came from was always there. Yeah. And if anything with you know die off and extinction is that cards are being taken out of the deck, so we like they accordioned out to all the different things capable from the original genetic code. And some of them have died out and disappeared. Yeah. But all that information was in the original existing creature, whatever it was. Yeah. Which I love. I, I think it was Ken Ham. Like, I, I want to attribute it to Ken Ham, but I'm not sure. Um, when he basically explained all of this, the idea that, you know, evolution is so, like, the evolutionist is so caught on the fact of, like, something is gained by evolution. Yes. And time and time again, Science has proven that nothing is gained. You're just losing. Yeah. yeah. Every nothing single time evolution happens, like yeah. it's something has been lost. So we're not sometimes you, you'll get something you didn't have before. In a, yeah. Well, okay. You'll get something that wasn't ever alive before born for the first time. Yes. But the code to make that did already exist. Yes. That 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 code is not new. It, it's like I said, it's, it's a new hand out of the same deck. Yeah. Like that hand's new, you've never seen that hand before, but it was always available in that deck of cards. That's well, what even, it is. 
the uh, one of the things that the, I, I always love this example. It's a little crazy, but about like essentially you have a town full of like different size people from four feet all the way up to six feet, right? And you set up a machine gun in the middle of town square and you set it at five feet, right? And it town square it shoots in a circular motion, right? And so basically anybody that's over five feet, like is over five feet, five feet or over is going to get, is just going to die, right? But yeah. anybody that's under four feet or under five feet, so four foot nine, you know, four foot ten, right? Like they will, they will be spared. But this town will never see anybody at five feet or above any longer yeah, because they've all died out. Like that gene is now gone. Yeah. Like you started with like the original dog, like wolf mm-hmm. or whatever it was. And like the ones that lived in the northern regions, when it got cold, all the short haired species died out there. Yeah. So you have the long haired dogs. All the long haired dogs died out in the hot regions of the world. If you take an enclosed population of like hot, hot environment dogs, from like Africa or something like that, and move them up in the north region of Russia, they will never develop long hair. No. With, without bringing in that, like, you know, long-haired dogs to interbreed with American things. Yeah. That, that code was there originally, but it's gone. And it has died out in their bloodlines. Yeah. But that's... And that's what we observe. That is what we actually observe. Yeah. That is evolution happening every day. <laughs> and it, it, it gets like people get really mad when I say this, but it's evolution is the pagan religion of our day. It yeah. is a religion, or I should say, it is a tenet of a religion. Yeah, more accurately. It, I mean, it is a belief system of that religion. Like it really, like it is. It, it is like wholeheartedly a belief system. And the fact that like churches have have ascribed to it and said, well, there might be some like like. The prose of Genesis is just that it's a poem, right? But let's, you know, science has proven evolution, so we should incorporate that into God's word. And you can't, like, you can't fit those two. Like, there's just no way. Not compatible. And say somebody's an atheist, whatever they're an atheist, I could argue why that's not, you know, I could make arguments against that or whatever, but whatever. Uh, if you're an atheist, you're an atheist or whatever. But if you are a Christian, Mm-hmm. But you accept evolution in millions of years, and you know pre human hominids. You know, yeah. You know something between the chimpanzee and the human. You know, like Neanderthal and all the other steps in the line. Yeah. What What exactly does the gospel mean to you exactly at that point? Like, you're like picking and choosing these different things. And because I had a had a discussion with somebody once who. They did claim to be a Christian, but they uh, believed in evolution or anything like that. Was, yeah. And it, if you don't accept Genesis, well, one, like, what is, I mean, the gospel Christian message is all about the redemption from sin. Yeah. Like, you Genesis, have to see that there were two human beings that existed for that time. It's like Genesis tells you where sin came from. If you don't accept that it's little history, what exactly, if the earth is millions of years old and death, existed long before they were humans and everything like that. What exactly is sin? What exactly is it? Um, and then combine it, like, then couple that with, okay, where do you draw the line? Like, if you don't accept the first 11 chapters of Genesis, do you believe Jesus died and resurrected? Do you believe he turned water to wine? Do you believe he walked in the water? Yeah. Not even, not even with Jesus. Now, do you believe Moses parted the Red Sea? Do you believe that God held the sun back for a day for for Joshua. Yeah. Like where 
you know, and Elisha made the axe head flip, like, where, or what do you accept and what don't you accept? Yeah. Uh, like, again, it's a compromise, so where is your stand now? Yeah. Like, if you believe in, if you believe in the works of Christ, you have to, like, imagine then, you have to say that, well, they came from God, right? So are you then saying that God couldn't do all the things that were explained in the Bible, but Christ could? Like, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, I don't know if we expected to get in this. No, I, I, we were like, hey, yeah, I mean, this is fine. This is why you uh, just press record and see where the conversation goes. Yeah. But, it, you know, I mean, just, you know, I people don't want to be Christian or whatever. I just like, but I will, and it's, it's funny how obstinate people get about it. Just, evolution makes no sense. It is, it doesn't make sense. It is a belief in the spontaneous generation of order. It is a belief in the said order increasing in complexity over time. Yeah. Increasing in complexity. And all of that via a process of elimination. Yeah. Doesn't make sense. Does not make sense. Yeah. But like it everything just goes to show that this this weird belief in science right now, especially right now, when the, the, right? like when the simple term "believe in science" is yeah, like it's just an oxymoron, completely and unscientific that. statement. <laughs> uh, um, but like this, like where we're at as a society of like I believe in science or I believe what the science is telling. <laughs> like science doesn't even know what the science is telling it ninety percent of the time. And yet they come up with these these asinine like this is it the science is is is, is done and it's just like it's not. And there's a lot of different things at play here. One, one strictly speaking, science is just a tool. Yeah, that's all it is. Um, to try to explain our world, <coughs> and and actually this ties in nicely with what we were just talking about with science fiction is. I mean, I don't want to be mean, but the truth is, you just have, you have a lot of idiots out there. Yeah, and. They, I'd say they're idiots not because of what they know or don't know, but rather, our one of our own friends called it once wanton ignorance. Right. And I've just, I've just, I've never understood that how somebody can be completely uncurious about like how things in the world work, and they just prefer. Well, so and so has three letters after their name. So whatever yeah. they said, yeah, that's yeah. How dare you question whatever they're they said? Doctor. <laughs> they're a doctor. They're, they're, All they gotta sure. say is they're a doctor, and suddenly they're and, the smartest people alive. Yeah, we. I mean, it's. I would say more comfortable for certain people in the political atmosphere to say this about, like, say, climatologists rather than say evolution. Yeah, a lot of people are afraid to attack evolution, but they'll like attack like climate science. Um, well, one basically, climate scientists. If the world's not ending because of climate change, then they don't, they would almost cease to exist because the funding just wouldn't be there. Yeah. Um, and scientists are people. Um, they're completely vulnerable to yeah. corruption, bribery, any other thing. That they understand that they have to say specific things in order to continue to get funded yeah. or else they're out of a job. Yeah. Like they have to toe a specific line. Yeah. It's the yeah. same reason like why politicians have to say this shit over that they, that they say, because mm -hmm. in order to continue with their job and continue to have a job at the end of the day, 
Like it, it's the same idea. Exactly same idea. Like essentially, like climatology would be, I'll at least say, would be a lot smaller if the world wasn't ending because yeah. of climate change. So, like climates, climatologists basically have to be um, chicken little. Yeah. To, to, to continue to live. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. There's that. But it's just the, just the fact that the masses out there are just like, well, somebody smart said it, so it's got to be true. Yeah. And... Somebody with a PhD. Okay, sure. And it's it's kind of the same thing talking about like with science fiction. It's like, uh, oh, well, yeah, of course it's fiction, but, you know, some scientists sometimes will figure it out. Like, um... <laughs> Yeah. Which makes no sense. Like, it makes no sense. Yeah. <clears throat> Again, it's, no. it's, it's the fallacy. The technology's not there yet. I mean, you could say that. But technology, if you think about the way that we move with technology nowadays, I just, like, are we, will we ever get to a point where something brand new is ever invented because the technology suddenly exists? Like, like something completely new? Yeah. Yeah. Or, um, yeah. Who knows? I mean, because I get even like technically, if somebody like if tomorrow the flying car exists, is that really something truly new? No. It's, it's just a helicopter, right? Yeah. Or an airplane. <laughs> um, it's just a different kind of car. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say something, but oh, it's gone now. Um, oh. It'll come back later. Like we'll be yeah. talking about something else, and yeah, it'll be like, fuck. And I, I guess I hate to rain on people's parades and all, but you know, just you know, oh, that's what I was gonna say. Like, we don't necessarily know like where metallurgy is gonna go or anything like that. But again, we know a lot more going forward via math than we had previously. Math has told us a number of things. For example, time travel. Yeah, I was like, well, time travel. I mean could do it if you had access to like all the energy in the universe um, like one description I heard of like a time machine would involve like basically an endless tube and I mean literally endless tube like and that you could go through it and that with enough energy time travel is possible although actually going forward in time is relatively easy and this is actually tying back to and this sounds cheesy but it really is the literal truth is that we technically already are time machines traveling into the future. That's true. Um, and that, <laughs> technically speaking, it's it's barely noticeable, but or actually not noticeable at all, and technically barely measurable. But essentially, the faster you go, the further forward you are. Yeah. Um, said, like the the cosmonaut that spent a whole bunch of time in space. Um, he, yeah. I think he he still holds the record for like most time spent in outer space than of any person. He's also um, didn't he he aged less because of like well, time. Yeah, but it was like yeah, right? a millimeter or whatever. But but still, but, yeah, like you know, were saying, like was... I remember reading somewhere once it was just like all the time he spent in space, he's like one fiftieth of a second ahead of us. Yeah. Um, so it's just like so that like time travel. Obviously, the faster you go, closer to speed of light. Faster you go, but it's not like you move into the future. Yeah, it would be going backwards in time. That's 
impossible or anything like but this is this is kind of why I, I do really enjoy Avengers Endgame and their time travel aspect. Like they like they tried to It was the weird thing, but I mean it was still cheesy bad, but yeah, like Avengers actually did a better time travel thing than most people did. Like, well, even down to when Paul Rudd is, they they put him in the time machine to begin with, and they they end up aging him and then de aging him, and and this aspect of like they were pushing time through him versus so he was essentially the, the time machine versus like pushing him through time. So it was kind of like an an interesting like take on again trying to 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 kind of like rethink how time travel can work in a science fiction story you know that's not back to the future oh i almost screwed my mom kind of situation so back to the future and back to the future is just a damn good trilogy of movies that are just yeah. pure entertainment and they get away with a lot more than like people like because modern movies that suck or whatever, and people will just pick them apart. Like yeah. there are so many freaking flaws in Back to the Future that you just you just go with you just accept. But, but this like, is the movie going audience of the eighties and nineties vastly different than the movie going audience today, which yeah, expects almost one hundred percent realism from there. Like, we're, we're a bunch of cynical fucks now. Yeah, but again, also like <laughs> we we ignore a lot if it's good. If you, yeah, I guess you can say for lack of a better way, but. Back to the Future being a certain, and I brought this up before. Like, in, I'm far from the only person that's ever pointed this out, but when he in the beginning of the second movie where he takes Marty and uh, I remember getting his girlfriend. Is there, uh, Jessica? No, not Jessica. What was her name? Jennifer. Was her name Jennifer? Jennifer. 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 When Doc takes Marty and Jennifer into the future to show them what's going, like, to get them to help, get them to fix what happens in the future. Yeah, if he took them in the future, like that wouldn't have happened. They would have been a thirty-year-old missing persons case. Yeah, like because <laughs> suddenly they're gone. Yeah, so they wouldn't have had their kids and everything like that. Like you know, and all the problems that that <laughs> happened thirty years in the future that Doc was trying to fix. So he brought Marty and Jennifer into the future. Like no, they, that they wouldn't have had their kids or anything like that. It would be a thirty-year-old missing persons case. Um, <laughs> The, the things that get changed, like when like Marty goes back in time, that's actually more accurate. Accurate than yeah, yeah. like the Clint Eastwood Canyon at the end of part three. Yeah. You know, um, shit like that. Yeah. 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 So I love this quick little side note. I love there's a tiny fan theory that Marty died at the end of two and that Doc went back to fix it because um, it was it's at the end of two when Biff is trying to run over Marty. Yeah. In the car. And it's the second time he hits the manure truck and all that. Um, but the, they drive into the tunnel and, you know, all the shenanigans that occur in there, like Biff's trying to kill Marty and everything like that. Yeah. And they end up getting spun around and going back in the way they came, or coming back out the way they came in. And that's when, like, Marty's about to die and Doc drops the, like, the penance from the, oh, penance yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. From the DeLorean and saves him. Yeah, yeah. The well, theory Doc was basically gets hit by the lightning. Yeah, yeah. The theory was that like Doc went to the other side of the tunnel to rescue him, but they got spun around and came up the other side. So Marty died. He got squished into the truck by Biff. So Doc had to go back like five minutes. So now that he knew that they came out the other side and they went and rescued him again. Ostensibly just from the movie, Doc would not had no way of knowing that they got turned around inside the tunnel and came back out the way they came in. 
So yeah, it's a quick little fan theory about that's uh, the second. Fucking amazing. Never thought about that. <laughs> I didn't either until I read it. You know, just people overanalyze the shit out of movies. You know? Yeah. Nowadays, again, like the movie going audience is vastly different than it was back then. Like I a movie like Back to the Future, I don't think could have been made today without some like like it, it would have gotten the the treatment of what a horrible movie, blah 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 blah. This is why you know, people just picking it apart beyond belief. Potentially, I think a lot of that would have been, like, because they would have thrown in a bunch of woke shit. Like, I'm actually kind of surprised I have not heard more about how, like, Doc and Marty were secretly gay and stuff like that. Because I just expect that now. Even though Marty had a love interest, you know, he had Jennifer, and then in the third movie, Doc gets a love interest. It still would have been, like, why is this old man and this high school boy best friends kind of thing? And it was just... Yeah. And it, it would have really pissed me off. Like, like I said, I'm actually amazed I've not seen that more often out there. Because that would actually piss me off because it's such an unorthodox yet wholesome friendship. Like I yeah. love Mark I love Marty and Doc's friendship. Yeah. They're such completely different people, but they're the best of friends. Um it, if you think about uh this this is why I think I love um what's the show? Uh shit, the the young kid and the, and grandpa going on adventures. Uh, Rick and Morty. Like this is this is this is one reason why I love Rick and Morty because it's like they can explain it away by this is Morty's like grandfather, you know, essentially taking him on these weird ass adventures. It, it's basically like the unwholesome Back to the Future, you know. Yes, yeah, I I've seen it because I've only seen the first episode of Rick and Morty. I'm just kind of whatever, but I've seen uh, the, I've seen the one clip that's still the, just the clip. I think it was for an ad for the show that makes me laugh. It's like. You're like Hitler, except at least Hitler cared about Germany or something. Like... <laughs> the they do really good tropes, like just so for example, you know, you know the 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 heist movie trope. Mm-hmm. They developed a whole episode based upon the heist movie. Like, all right, I'm in. You know, you bastard. You know those kinds of like things. Um, like, you should give that show a chance. It is. It's. <laughs> Beyond belief, um, it's pro- it's probably to me one of the wittiest shows on TV. Like above Family Guy, above Simpsons, you know what the things that they pick on, and they pick on bad sci-fi uh, all the damn time. Like you would, I think you would be like, all right, you know. This, I, well, this is- I do. I know a lot of people love that show. Um, I've, I've seen, I've heard a lot of people like fall out of love with it by like season four or whatever. But. Uh, I think because it's taken so long to get to season four, like the show's six or seven years old and it's just on a season four. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, I think, might, might be over now. So no, it's, it's, they're still going or they're going to try to go without the guy who voices both Rick and Morty. What happened to him? He got accused of sexual harassment or assault or something. Oh, like Jesus Christ. We yep. can't like nothing is sacred. I, I, I'm literally I, waiting for the day that Seth, like not Seth Rogen, but uh, Seth MacFarlane, gets like up on charges of shit, you know, because somebody wants to ruin his career. So maybe hell that that joke, like they after the whole Weinstein thing, and they they pulled that joke from the like 2013 Academy Awards he hosted. No kidding. Yeah, like it just goes to show, like it was the worst kept secret in Hollywood. Oh, totally Every, everybody fucking knew about it, and then they tried yeah. to pretend to be shocked. And... I, I am still, I will still stand by this though, John. Like honestly, and and we've talked about this tons of times. Like, I'm not debating that what Weinstein did, like he was a monster, 
to rape any woman that like was unconsenting, right? But the term casting couch exists in fucking Hollywood for a reason. Yeah. Like women like you cannot blame every single man in Hollywood and say me too, me too, me too when women were using sex as a way to get positions inside <laughs> of like movies or TV shows or whatever. Like, were they even with the Weinstein? Like with Ashley Judd? Was it Ashley Judd? Ashley Judd was one. Because it was like you want to like, you know, you want to win the your, if you want to win an award, you got to do this. And I guess her response is, "But I'll win, right?" Yeah. Um, like, <laughs> so will I win? Okay, cool. Yeah, and was, there's a reason why like Weinstein had like Oscar-winning movies and Oscar-winning <laughs> actresses. Like, there is like he was able. He knew how to play the game. Was he a monster? Very well could be. But again, I just, I women just, do sex the way. I absolutely think he was a monster. It's just he was hardly unique. No. He was a monster in an environment where monsters live. Yes. Uh, he was allowed to happen. And he was allowed to happen because that was that's the way that Hollywood runs. Like, again, it, 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 it's... Can't get my glasses on all the way. I noticed, yeah. <laughs> they were like... Mm. <laughs> It, it's it's the same like we know that that pedophilia rings exist inside of Hollywood. We know that like it's it, again it's not like the best kept secret. Like it, it, Corey Haim has been talking about it for years. Yep. And everybody vilifies Corey Haim, and suddenly it comes out like oh so and so's a pedophile blah 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 blah. And it's like why is this shit like why again because it's Hollywood. It, they, they, this is what they do. They protect their own. They protect their people. This is, you know, why you people like this only scene? when it becomes only when it becomes a problem do they then give them up as a sacrificial way. Why are you people like this, Steve? Why the Jews? <laughs> did Jews. you? Uh, I was, you I was referring to movie people, man. What are you like? Why, <laughs> why did you go to the Jews? Huh? What's that say about you? Huh? <laughs> did you watch Chappelle's? Um, uh, his thing on a um, Saturday Night Live, because uh, the, the best- whole like the Italians are mobsters. They're- yeah, yeah, and the Jews are. Yeah, the Jews. Like, the he's Jews. Like, it's a coincidence. You should stop talking about it. Really. Pretty much, he basically said Kanye told the quiet part out loud. <laughs> and it, I heard something about they like warned him, so he had like a fake monologue at rehearsal. They warned Chappelle. Yeah, well, like they were basically like. Because he's been super controversial with like trans issues or whatever and like yeah, feminism yeah. and stuff like that. So when he was going to host, they were like, "Well, you're really popular, so we're going to host." But there are things that are off limits. So I get, I, I heard. Don't quote me on this, but I guess he had like a fake uh, monologue for rehearsal. Oh, I don't doubt that. I and don't. Then, and then when it was actually because it's Saturday Night Live, he yeah. actually when he was on said what he really wanted to say. Where he he passed the screening <laughs> with his fake monologue. Yeah, uh, but I don't know if that's true. So I I knowing like knowing Chappelle, like I feel like he would just say I don't give a shit and I'm gonna say whatever I want to say. Like I. Hence, like even even today, like the 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 the, the transsexual issue. Still comes up like giving a the oh the Grammys because he won a Grammy for best comedy album because or a comedy thing for his uh, uh, Netflix special and everybody was just like what's that 
sticks and stones or this, the other one? Like the whichever newest? one, like whichever one, like caused all the backlash. Like I can't well, remember. What it was. Sticks and stones in 2019 caused a huge backlash. Okay. Um, for a bunch of different things. One of them, like that one, was like the feminism thing where he came right out and said, you know, guys, we need to shut up about about abortion. This is a woman's issue. You just need to back up on this. This is their issue. And like, you got to like all the women in the crowd are cheering. And it was just like, but then I don't have to pay for anything. And he just like completely shut him down. He just switched back and forth. And he just, he's like, I'm basic. I don't remember. This is the exact quote, but it was just like, I'm completely pro-choice, but if you can kill the kid, I should be allowed to abandon it. Wow. Um, wow. Uh, and that was, that was sticks and stones. In my opinion, that one was actually funny. So the the newest one, I can't remember. I didn't actually think it was that funny. Like yeah. he had the whole trans thing, which is what really got people up in arms. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I, so, I don't remember. Like I remember laughing at sticks and stones. I didn't really laugh at. Why can't I remember the newest one? But I, the, I didn't really laugh at it. Ultimately, though, the point of it was like they ended up calling the Grammys another like white thing and transphobic and all because. Here it is that Chappelle wins. And he basically, he's like, listen, I'm just telling the truth. I don't give a shit. Think what you want to think. It doesn't matter. You know, he's like, I want a Grammy. What else are you going to say now? And I could really, I like, I could imagine him actually just like, yeah, here's what the censors say. This is what I have to do. So this is what gets me through. But this is what I'm going to actually like. Come tape time now, and I don't care. They can cut me off the air. They can do whatever they want, but I'm going to say what I want to say. That reminds that brings me back to why am I thinking of like Dork? So the Ed Sullivan show back in the day. Yeah. Like, so like the Rolling Stones were on it, and that was uh, Let's Spend the Night Together was their current hit. Yeah. And they're like, well, we don't want you to really just be saying that on TV, you know, <laughs> sex. So they talked them into saying, let's spend some time together. So when they were on the Ed Sullivan show, they're singing, let's spend some time together. Uh-huh. Uh, when the, the song is Let's Spend the Night Together. So when Doors were on that Sullivan show, they're singing Light My Fire. Yeah. And they tried to say, you know, don't say, girl, we couldn't get much higher. How about, like, girl, we couldn't get much better. And then, yeah, this was in the movie, The Doors. Like, yeah. Oliver Stone is not exactly reliable in terms of history, but it is, like, this did happen. Well, Jim Morrison didn't give a shit. He just said no. it. Like, in. So yeah, just kind of reminds me of the same thing. But. It it's exactly the same thing. It's it, it it's just every now and again we will get somebody who's unafraid of the truth, or just unafraid to say it like bold face. This is how it is, and take away whatever you want to take away. I don't care, but I'm going to say it. And George Carlin, I think George Carlin would have been vilified today the same way that Chappelle was has been vilified. Yeah, right. Because like, he would have. Uh... I mean, he was champion, like, all, you know, his career, because, you know, he would attack Christians and everything like that. But, like, he would be saying the wrong things nowadays. Oh, yeah. Well, he had a whole bit about uh, feminism and how they want me to call that thing in the middle of the street a personhole cover, not a manhole cover. Like, he had, like, his whole bit was on, like, how feminism is ruining language. And how just, bullshit that is. It just makes things dumb. Like Yeah. Which, I mean, it gets back into, like, my job. For example, we uh, we have what we call 
master, like as our branch of code, masters the branch. We can't call it that anymore. We have to call it main. Because the term master just immediately applies that there's a slave. And it's, you know, white privilege to say something like that. So just bullshit like that. It's, it's, you know, if you say, what if it's BDM term, BDSM term? It's I, I, there you go. Allowed, yeah, that, you you gotta take, be allowed to stay. Yeah. <laughs> we should bring that up. Yeah, yeah, you should be like, I think this whole not, Yeah, I think this whole thing is, uh, you know, kink shaming. You know, yeah. this not being allowed to call it master anymore is kink shaming. And then, and it's. <laughs> well, you you heard that we're getting rid of like the term whitelist and blacklist can't exist anymore. Yeah. Even though like this term had nothing to do with color of skin, it was based upon like who you're going to use or who you're not going to use, right? Uh, and it's, it's gone a, back since like <laughs> nautical times for thousands of years. And, uh, and on, I'll, admit, I'll at least admit that this particular controversy was very short-lived and didn't get... But he was doing like... It might have been during COVID. He was doing like Zoom teaching. He no. was uh, a Mandarin instructor. Like, uh, the, uh, like the, the language. language. Okay. So he was like doing a zoom call with like his students and he's talking, I, I don't know Mandarin at all. I don't, I have no knowledge of Mandarin, but he's talking about something. That, <sighs> crap. I wish I knew better. Like the Chinese, the Mandarin equivalent of like prepositions or pronouns or something. Um, yeah. um, prefixes. Yeah, yeah. That's one of the terms. And one of them is nega. And so he's, Teach them, and he says it like three or four times. Well, he got in trouble, like because you were saying this, this, and this. It's like it's a different fucking language. Like it yeah. doesn't like like people were getting mad about like you know stop seeing negro in like Spanish when that's literally the word for black in Spanish. But that's at least well, it's black, but that's just literally literally the word for black in Spanish. This has nothing to do with black or skin color or people or anything. It's like a completely different word in Chinese. In yeah. And like he was getting controversial, like, you know, getting in trouble for saying this. He's saying a different word in a different damn language. Like, yeah. Well, again, like this is this is the this is the interesting thing, like how they how these people can play with the English language. Right. So you realize that non-binary doesn't that term only works in English. It doesn't work for Latin based countries because Latin based countries immediately put an inflection of female or male on that term. Right. So like non-binaria, right, is the feminine version. Non-binario is the masculine version. So at the end of the day, you can't just walk up to somebody and say, I'm non-binary. Like, well, are you like, how do you say that in Spanish? Then? Yeah. You're the, the female the, version the, of non-binary or are you the, the male version of non-binary? Yeah, the, 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 the concept doesn't exist in the linguistics of Spanish. Like, no, it doesn't. it doesn't exist in the concept in the linguistics of, uh, of uh, uh, Italian. Like mm -hmm. any Latin-based language, it doesn't exist. Because a, uh, adding a uh, is always feminine and adding o is always masculine. It does, like, it's, it's, it's ingrained in us since the beginning of fucking time. Mm. Get rid of it. Like, it just mm. doesn't make sense. You said it's all, it's all part of bringing it down. That's all. No, again, like it's well, we have to rethink it. And sex is a construct. Well, maybe it is. Maybe, maybe it was a construct, but it's been a construct for thousands and thousands of years. Well, okay, well, what happened is, and we have a uh, two really sick fucking people to thank for this for their mm -hmm. research. But uh, 
it was the idea of people, most people don't think about it and they use gender and sex interchangeably. Yeah. And the idea of like biological sex might be immutable, but gender is not exactly the same thing. Gender is yeah. a gender is more of a construct rather than or a mental construct than an actual biological one. And that's that's where they muddy the water. Yeah. Even if even if that was possible. Like the whole I have I, I have a perfectly functioning male body. Mm-hmm. Venus testicles are perfectly capable of impregnating a woman and fathering children, all that. Yeah. But I feel like a woman. Even if that is possible, and that's this is me playing devil advocate, I do I do not concede that one bit. Those instances would be so extraordinarily rare that each each individual occurrence of it would be worthy of like a paper. Yeah. Um, and then so when you're trying to say, well, this is actually more common, and, and going further, playing devil's advocate and conceding like it's actually more common than that. You just have a bunch of idiot kids on TikTok who are just making shit up now. Fucking calling themselves like demon pronouns and fucking cat pronouns. And yeah. It's just it's just driven off the deep like it's gone beyond absurd. <laughs> and it's it was still, again clown world. Like this is this is why it's clown world exists. Yeah. This the slippery slope fallacy is not a fallacy. <laughs> We've done it. <laughs> We've slipped, right? And so yeah, then you get down to the point of like teachers this, now when you're um, Oh, well, I think I I used to watch Matt Walsh, I don't really watch him anymore. I'll catch him here and there. I still think he makes a lot of good points on a lot of things that I want to talk about. But he was just talking about, like, because the whole trans issue, and you could argue, like, the gay and lesbian issue before it is what actually opened the door. The feminist issue before that is what actually opened the door. You could make that point. Where, but just for the sake of this argument, like, the trans issue opened this door. So now you're not even talking about, like, gender or anything like that. Like, people on TikTok talking about they basically have multiple personality disorder. Yeah, and that they so this is my one personality and this is my other personality. And he actually went into it. It's like one. So there have been some cool ideas. This is you know, taking deviations. So like I like the movie Identity a lot with John yeah. Cusack. And John I think Cusack. that's a, I think that's a just a really entertaining movie. I like that. Movie. But so that idea of like multiple people living inside your head, there is actually no consensus in the psychiatric community if, if that disorder is actually real. Really? The, the instances of it are, as far as we know, actually anecdotal. And there has not been any like really serious research into the occurrence of, if, of it being a legitimate disorder. So, um, so at this point, it's, there, it's being used as a trope for fiction, is really it. Really, yes, that's what it is. And these idiot kids pick up. So, yeah. One, the actual psych- psychiatric community, which is compromised in a lot of ways, yeah. they don't actually, there's no actual consensus in the psychiatric community if that disorder is even real. And then to the point of the supposed anecdotal occurrences of it, like basically like the personality A or whatever, like blacks out, they're not there anymore. And personality B, C, A, you know, D or whatever shows up. Somebody takes they're, they're not aware of each other. So in, in the actual, what could be the real instances of disorder occurring, these different personalities are not aware of each other. So, and you have these idiot kids on TikTok, like, well, this is like, 
my one personality is Jean, and here's her attributes, and blah, blah, blah. And then my other personality is Dave, and here's his attributes. Like, this, 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 that's not. One, this, this, this disorder might not even exist. And two, if it does, this isn't how it works. <laughs> but it was just, it's just one more thing that we just threw the floodgates open on. And just, well, well, again, because we've allowed it, like, rather yeah, than just turn around and like, okay. Like somebody made the point, this is just like TikTok allowed like all the idiot emo kids to just get out in the world. Like, oh, this used to just be like the dumb shit they said in their rooms or yes. whatever. <laughs> and then eventually they grew out of it, but now now they can get their fifteen seconds. So it's not even fifteen minutes of fame anymore. It's fifteen seconds of fame. But did they really grow out of it? Because we have adults who still do this shit, who think this way, who who work in this way. And you know, I I can believe that gender dysphoria exists, and I can believe that like, but it but we can all agree that at, at some level it is a mental. It is it is like, mental like that needs to be taken care of it at some point like somebody needs to step in and say you have gender dysphoria how can i help you feel more like a man or feel like a woman like yeah. you don't need to like turn it, around and say you're a woman. Like, like your your body is reality yeah if your mental state does not conform to reality it's your mental state that needs to change not reality, not reality. yeah you can't change reality reality no. is like it is this is what we were given yeah, you have to live in this yeah, yeah. That's yeah, yeah. If if and, and it's related to the transition, but then the people who are like convinced that they should be disabled in some way, like one guy actually literally blinded himself because he felt this. He felt his eyes like, were not actually real. Like well, he, he felt, felt like my personhood is a blind person. It's the same. The, the, this idiot that decides to, um, and, and he's in the news recently, which is like why it comes to mind, but basically he's disfigured himself beyond belief where he's cut off his fingers. And so I think he's got like three fingers. So he's tattooed himself from head to toe in black and white ink. Uh, he shaved off his head. <laughs> prosthetics put in his head. Uh, prosthetics put everywhere. He split his tongue. They split his lip up here, and they've cut off his ears and nose because he thinks he's an alien. Mm. He's not comfortable in his skin as a human being. He believes that he is an alien, and he wants to look like an alien. Now, fine. He wants to do that. He's doing it to himself. But at some point, who turned around and said you should like the doctor was like, yeah, we'll can make you an alien. Yeah, like nobody bothered to turn around and say you need some mental help. Let's get you some help. Yeah. That that doctor should have been killed. If you ask me, like, yeah, and I'm that's not even hyperbole. Like, the doctor should have been killed. It's that's, weird. It just doesn't make sense. That's that's some evil shit. Yeah. But that's where we're at. Like mm -hmm. at the end, at the end of the day, in our world, this is where we're at, right? We are we are dealing with evil shit. So what do we do? <laughs> you know, like mm -hmm. I, I, your idea. It's it's funny because your idea years ago was like just divorce yourself from the system, right? like just get well, this butt break away. Well, I, what I would call sane people, I think should divorce and form a parallel yeah. society and it's starting like it's fledgling but it's there 
Um, that was so. I was when I was writing politics for. I said I, I still regret to this day stopping to write for that one website, but I did yeah. write for the other one, which again I didn't. I, I just never felt appreciated there or anything like that. I was really kind of, you know, it's just like I, sh- I jumped ship to somebody I thought because had a, at the time had a bigger following, and I just I yeah. feel bad now because the guy I was writing for the first time blew up, and I feel bad. And I had the run of the place there, like I had I could publish my own things. I was editing other people's stuff, like. It was great. Yeah. But uh, the second guy, he asked me to write something about the Tea Party. And this was, I mean, the Tea Party was basically, like, over by, like, 2011. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and this was, like, three or four years after that. It was it, He was basically asking me to write, like, a reflective piece, like, lessons learned from the Tea Party thing. And kind of like what, the Banshee screams for... Uh... Uh, bison meat or something like a, this, a Hunter S. Thompson kind of did a uh, bit on like the the death of the American dream. Oh, uh, yeah, sure. But it was just like I guess that he would he I was actually like very rarely was I asked to write something specific like can you write about this topic? But it, it didn't happen on occasion. And this was one of the instances. It was like so kind of you know right a uh, looking back on the Tea Party thing. What have we learned? What influences it had? Kind of thing and. I thought it was what I wrote was good, but you could say it was kind of not optimistic, or not or not optimistic, but not flattering to the Tea Party movement. I guess you'd say. And what I basically was suggesting, what we take forward from the, the Tea Party, was that we make it like we've met up. This was like the fledgling days of Facebook and early social media and stuff like that, and this was. Smartphones had just become a thing, um, so a lot of more in- interconnectivity among groups of people, you know, across the country and across the globe. And basically, like what I was essentially saying is that the Tea Party should become like the nervous system for a new society. And what now? I didn't necessarily have the term for it at the time, but basically, like the parallel society. You know, like, just the left is so far off the deep end, like, stop living in red or blue states. You know, if you, it doesn't matter how you vote and how you think, if you live in a blue state, then you're just a waste of voice. Um, And, like, which people basically started doing for economic reasons, because blue states have gone so insane that they've become, and, you know, most normal people can't afford to live in California or New York anymore. So they move out, but it was just the idea of doing that organically. Then, like it would, it would take like one census to completely rebalance, like the co- Congress and everything like that. Like you know, once all the new districts came up, like just get all the wasted red votes out of blue states, things like that. That was kind of my idea. And then that, but eventually, like only doing business with like-minded people, only forming relationships with like-minded people, and just completely separating like. Little by little, like, get, like, every left-wing person out of your life and everything from finance to relationships and everything in between. Um, And that the Tea Party, or the remnants of it, could be, like, the nervous system that gets this going. Because, again, we met each other all through the internet, Facebook, and things like that, and rallies. This is what we should do going forward. And I was mad because he, like, 
what he published. I submitted it to it for editing, and then he published it. And like, like there were like three sentences in that article that were mine. So he the rest he, he basically just took. He didn't. It. He just rewrote it. He and it was some fluff piece, and it was completely pointless. And I was I was irritated about that to no end. But why did he do that? He, I didn't write what he wanted. Um, it was his website. It was his prerogative to do it. But I was just like, one, I was irritated because you know I couldn't even recognize it as my piece. Yeah. And two. I always believed that what I had to say was more useful and more honest. The the unfortunate part, though, is that we have become more tribal than we used to, and and I and I think try try like I I don't see a reason why we can't stand on beliefs and morals, but there has to be a certain point where like those tribes don't exist because then they just go to war and it doesn't lead to anything productive but it's like we're tribal because we're not compatible anymore there's not one thing we agree on well yeah i mean i i will say this like and, and this is just that christian side of me that comes out like during these times like to say that there's nothing like that's that's like saying that only right wing people go to, you know, church, which is not true. Like you and I both know that that's absolutely mm-hmm. false. Like there are people who would vote Joe Biden in, in a in a heartbeat over anybody else because that's just the way that they vote. Right, but that doesn't make them not Christian. That just makes their morals a little. Nobody suspect. voted for Joe Biden. <laughs> <laughs> we can't go there. We can't go there. I, I, I don't. I don't have the energy or the power to uh, to, yeah, to go well, one way or another on this one. So, yeah. Like it's late. We've gone on long enough, so it's yeah. be time for me to sign off here. But that's all right. Um, I just had to end on that. <laughs> we 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 have to say something ultra controversial, like we did the last time. Like I I don't know. I feel like I feel like that's that's got to be the perfect. Way I, to say. I think we've said plenty of controversial stuff. <laughs> I think we have. Um, Fair enough. Fair enough. All right, man. Well, then I'll let you get to bed. Um, It is fun as always. And uh, so this is Steve. And John. And this has been Quixotic. Thanks, guys. This has been a very... We're still on? Okay. We're still on, yeah. The the name of this podcast has never been more appropriate than it was tonight. Or even even the last one. Okay, yeah. The last one. I'm just saying, like, Charging windmills. This has definitely been a charging windmills episode. It really has. You know, it's funny though, is because we started like when we were texting back and forth. We're still going. Uh, by the way, we're still going. So we didn't sign off. Um, but um, when we when we were talking about doing this earlier in the week, um, maybe it was yesterday. We were talking. You had said something witty about Jumanji, and I was like, oh. Shit, "Man, that is the most insightful thing you have ever said about a film." Oh, and yeah, we didn't even get into that. No, we, we didn't. I was like. We- we want to get into that now? Like, Let's real quick. Yeah, yeah. Why not? Why not? So. Okay. This is, we're talking um, about the Robin Williams Jumanji, and the, and the conversation started. How did this start? Like, I think it was something like, "I wish that he was like a throwback actor." Like, I wish that he had been in the new movie with with uh, the Rock and and something. Like, I was like uh, the Hunter. 
Uh, what's oh, yeah, yeah. It's because I sent you that meme I saw about exactly. Uh, yes, with uh, Robin Williams and him. Yeah. Well, it was well, it was Jonathan Hyde, and it was uh-huh. a guy telling a story about like his friend who met Jonathan Hyde, and he he said, you know, when I was seven years old, you know, your character terrified me in Jumanji, and he like good got into his face, <laughs> like real, like really invaded his personal space, and he was just like good, and then he left. So. <laughs> So, what the point was, and I, I don't know how many people picked up on this in Jumanji. I've never heard it discussed, and the movie came out in the end of 95, so I would have been 13 years old. Yeah. Um, and at at the time, I was, like, super proud of myself that I, I realized it was the same actor that played his father in, in Van Pelt, the hunter. Silly now, but I was a kid, you know? Yeah. Uh but the symbolism of that was not to be mistaken. You know, there was a very, very symbolic reason as to why it was the same actor. And that the hunter was a stand-in for his father in the, yeah. in the movie. Um, based on the, the confrontations they were having at the beginning of the movie. And then obviously, like, Van Pelt was, you know, a stand-in for life. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and how you can't just be a boy forever. Like, yeah, you have to grow up. You have to become a man, so to speak. And I found it because even like when we talk about like, you no, know, like Ward Cleaver was replaced by Homer Simpson, and like the image of masculine, positive masculine role models has been erased from pop culture. Yeah, it helped that. You know, Homer Simpson taking over for Ward Cleaver, that was over 30 years ago. Yeah. Um, that's been sitting a long time. But, so even by the 90s, that was already not a thing anymore. Like, father was either like a workaholic or he was a goofball idiot or something like that. That was already good. But I don't really think many people picked up on that to, to me, what Jumanji has a very unorthodox father's no father knows best message to it. Which like I said, even by the nineties that was pretty much unheard of. Yeah. But it was and there's times during the movie where you actually think it's saying the opposite. But it really ends up not. And then just kind of by the end the the thing like, you know, at the beginning his dad wants him to stand up to the bullies. He doesn't know like it's a group of them, so he has, like, no chance of winning a fight, but he wants to, you know, stand his ground, stand up to bullies, and everything like that. And, you know, he's in that night, you know, he's going to send him to the boarding school, and you can understand, as a boy, why he wouldn't necessarily want to get sent to a boarding school. But, you know, I think, you know, he comes from a family with money, and he's... His money actually, like the neighborhood kids, actually hate him for that. So he's actually an outcast, if you will, in the town. Because they, you know, uh, you know, you're just the rich kid. You know, screw you. Whereas, what if he went to the boarding school where his family name has, you know, prestige and power? He would actually be respected. He, you know, things like that would change for him. And at the end of the movie, he's he ends up doing what his dad wanted him. And it's for the best. Like, at the end of the movie, he apologizes to his dad. You know, it, it doesn't say, but presumably he went on to the boarding school and everything like that. And he, you know, went on to live the life his father wanted him to. 
so yeah, that was just very odd or interesting to me that you know that movie had that message to it. It really is like a father's knows best message in that movie. Yeah, I mean, again, probably like listening to you again talk about it, the most insightful, like. Honestly, dude, like when you when you sent that, I was like, "Holy shit, that is like the most insightful thing you've ever said about any film." Like, it's the most analytical I think you've ever gotten about any film. Really? Yeah. Well, like we've talked about Lynch and stuff like that, but to to me, this is like the most like you've ever like grabbed a hold of a message in a film and been like, and and you've yeah. held on to it for like thirty years. Basically, it's again. <laughs> And, and it's one I've never heard. I've never like heard a whole lot of people talk about that movie. I mean, here and there. I mean, the I uh, so not my uh, not my father's mother, but my my mother's mother. She died incredibly. So I was trying to watch that movie with her. That's kind of already after her time. She's you know from a different era. Let's say that, yeah. and especially because the type of person I was back then I wouldn't just let her watch the movie I was trying to explain the things like you know how like the kids in that movie like their parents died in a car accident but you know they kind of messed up by their parents death so the boy doesn't talk and the girl became a habitual liar and everything like that and then that when he disappeared you know Robin Williams character disappeared as a boy like the, the town just assumed that the father had killed him and it was just kind of this urban legend that had survived down through the years and I'm like you know, I don't know. She's like, "Well, this is kind of morbid, isn't it?" I'm like, when I'm thinking about how the movie ends, I'm like, "No, it's not really. It's not like it all shakes out in the end." Um, and then I didn't think about that later. But if you actually watch the honest trailer on YouTube for Jumanji, they they talk about how like dark that movie is. And it was like, "This was a kids movie." Like, <laughs> so. well, again, he's being chased. So as a kid, you have to understand, like. For how long was he stuck in the jungle? Like 20 26 years. years. So, like, he's been chased for 26 years. He's been chased by the shadow of his father through the jungle yeah. and shot at since he was like an eight year old boy. Is that how old he was when he I got... think he was like 10 or 12. Ten, or okay. Like so, still, like, you have to yeah. think, like, that alone is fucking dark. Yeah. And it's. How did he survive those young years? Like, yeah, he somehow figured it out. Like, yeah, like he figured out. Oh, I have to wipe my butt with banana leaves because that was the whole joke when he finally like saw toilet paper. He was like, "Oh, thank God, no more leaves." Yeah. You know, like but that I mean, was not even just the hunter, but like the jungle had a million different ways to kill you. Exactly, and he survived all that. Yeah, which I think there should have always been like an Alan Parrish in the jungle like story. That when it, like what how, how did he survive so long? Maybe somebody I, I wouldn't want to see it like it's a film. Maybe it's like a short story. Yeah, something but, uh, like. Anyway, so yeah. Hmm. There you I, go. I, I think the Jumanji has a positive masculine message. <laughs> John approved. John approved. <laughs> I, if we had video, like I would have done like this neon sign that was like. John, like, going, like, thumbs up or something with the like, masculine message or something weird like that. So, yeah. I love it. All right. All right. So that was the longest sign-off of all time. So. <laughs> Again, Steve. John. 
Quixotic. Have a good night, guys. <laughs>